Okay, welcome to the Brain Food Show, episode three. Today we've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got, uh, what's the main, what's our, what's our fun fact for today? So I say fun fact, but it's really like 45 minutes to an hour of in-depth conversation about one specific topic. What are we talking about today, David? We're going to talk about the food pyramid and how it's a horrible, horrible way for you to eat. It is. I looked at, I remember, did we do a video about this or we've done, or at least I've read the backgrounds on this on Today I Found Out Before. We actually did record a video at one point, but we never published it this was like like almost two years ago and it just never got published for whatever reason wow. and so now it's in it's in the old style like the old style before you were on the camera we could do like a, a, a throwback thursday where it's, you know, we show you yeah. we show you it's, here's a really old style video before we really you know did much more with the production <laughs> um so yeah we're gonna get into that we've also got uh, feedback from last week's episode practical knowledge section of course got some good stuff lined up for that q a and a wrap-up it's all of the stuff we're getting into today Today, people requested that we put it, the podcast on Stitcher, and Ooh. it's now available there. If you check the links below, yes. In fact, my girlfriend requested we get it on Stitcher because she was like, "Simon, yeah. I looked up your your podcast, but I can't find it." And I'm like, "Oh no, which platform?" Yeah. Stitcher. I was like, "Yeah, Stitcher's a big one. We should probably get on there." And Spotify as well. I love Spotify. Yep. Do you have Spotify? Yeah, Spotify? Are you into that? Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, but the Spotify, we submitted it on day one, but they still haven't got back to us. But apparently it can take a long time sometimes with them. They're pretty slow. Yeah, I, I, I found that as I love the Spotify interface, the way you can just, you know, easily download stuff. Pretty much any music you ever could want is instantly available. And I was like, this will be perfect for podcasts. But quite a few of the ones I listen to are not on Spotify yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. <laughs> They've They're like big established podcasts. So fingers crossed that Spotify will accept us and take us into their wonderful ecosystem of you're on Android. Android, right? Yes. Podcast apps in general on Android kind of suck. I've, I, I'm on something yeah. called Podcast Addict, and it's kind of uh-huh. it's not very good. Um, and no, I, know there, people... I haven't I've not found a good one. <laughs> I haven't paid I've tried for many. anything granted. I've only taken no, the yeah. free ones. But... Yeah. Although Google Play, apparently. I mean, we got the podcast on Google Play. I've never tried it for podcasts, but maybe. I don't know. They're Wait, you can listen music. to podcasts on Google Play? I thought Google Play was the place you downloaded podcast apps from. Or is that the Play uh, Store? No, the... Uh, Google Play Music, I should say. Um, ah, Google Music, so, okay. Which is okay. a pretty good, I, I like that, so I've never tried listening to podcasts on it, though, but now we are on there. So oh, we are, we are on there, so I can listen to my myself yeah. on there. That'll be great. It's not- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Um good. I will I will try that one. I find the native apps are often really good. So um like I was on Apple for years, then I had a really angry stage at Apple because their batteries after two years just turned to absolute garbage. And I was like, I've had enough of this. I was on the three, the four, the five, the six, and then I was like and then I got this uh Samsung S eight, which mm-hmm. is a great phone. Uh, I've proceeded to smash the screen on it three times in the last four months. Um, nice. So it's it's very, very fragile. Uh, so this is where our podcast is. If you are listening on any other platforms that you are that we have not mentioned that you would like us on, e- email us at podcast at todayifoundout.com and we will do our best to, to submit to those places and just get this to as many people as possible. And I also wanted to say, if you are listening to this on YouTube, go over and listen on your podcasting app because, well, one, it's a better listening experience. Uh, you don't have to sit there watching the, the, the video of the visualizer or the woman running on the treadmill, which we got all sorts <laughs> of interesting feedback for. Uh, if you're not aware what we're talking about, check out episode one on YouTube. But uh, grab it on a podcasting app. It really does help our numbers. It helps us rank in iTunes, which gets this in front of more people, which it doesn't really benefit you in any way, listener, but it really <laughs> benefits us. And that yeah. would be great. So thank you That so benefits much. if they like the podcast, because uh, then we can keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but 
that's true and also like i mentioned it is a better listening experience you you kind mm-hmm. of i don't know the youtube app on a phone if i'm out and about that's going to destroy my data plan because it's all streaming in hd when you close the app it stops playing it you can't turn the screen off it's all just a bad experience so grab yourself a podcast app do yourself a favor go over subscribe leave us a five star itunes review if you want to we, we've got mostly five stars so far and then one person just gave us a one star with no written feedback so i'm like all right i guess this is a one star show for someone thanks yeah that's not helpful without without the text you know, no. that would be helpful well what didn't he like or she like it, it is true feedback does help ah housekeeping housekeeping we've got an interview coming up tell us about that I'm very excited about this one. It is uh, the Coles, Lori and Corey Coles. And uh, some, if you're of a certain age, you might actually know who they are. But yeah, they made the Quest for Glory game series, worked for Sierra back in the day. And that is my favorite game series of all time on the computer. And so I'm very excited to uh, to get a chance to interview them. We were having a bit of a chat about this because I was familiar with a bit of their stuff. And I think, I mean, I've I've been into kind of computer games for quite some while. I've always been playing on one form or another there were a few years more recently where i kind of stopped playing but i think i missed this one because at some point i know you're maybe a couple of years older than me but we're definitely in the same generation of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what we would be playing on computer and and stuff yeah. like that. i think i got bought a playstation one which was awesome but it got me away from playing games in the because before i was playing like commander keen do you can i commander mm-hmm. keen yes yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I got a great game, great game. Uh, (laughs) Then I got the the PlayStation. Then I started playing, you know, like Pandemonium, Crash Bandicoot, all of these kind of platform games. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to the computer around the time of the original Sims. Now I looked this all up to get a timeline on it. That was like around 2000. So I Mm -hmm. think that was so. so There was a solid period in the 90s where I was away from computer gaming. Yeah, you missed like the heyday of Sierra, which was they just put out like game after game that was great, like really great games. And and that Quest for Glory, in my opinion, are the best ones with maybe like um i think betrayal at crondor was one of theirs as well that's a that's an awesome game that that game actually i think withholds the test of time even though the graphics aren't great like the story in it is just amazing this these are the these are the best games those games that you can play like years later like i you know, age of yeah. empires 2 i still play this with my friends <laughs> on the internet yeah. it's yeah, yeah. It's, it stands yeah. the test of time red alert yeah. 2 another great one it's all the twos yeah. but mm-hmm. should i can, i can install these games today they still work with with modern yeah, systems. yeah you can go on like um steam or um uh what is it uh, good old games i think is that gog gog.com i think it is uh they have it and uh yeah i actually bought not that uh, maybe a year ago or something the uh the whole quest for glory series and yeah they just play they they're modified to be able to play on the modern systems quite nice awesome i'll be making the most of my absolute beast of a graphics card then yeah. <laughs> with your with the original quest for glory was like uh was it six 16 color but then they up they actually did put out like a 256 color up, update of it but i actually prefer the original because uh, you have to type you know you have to like type and that's actually how i actually got good at typing was to like ask about this and like you know you do just typing during the game oh like uh like a text base uh, open the box look in yeah, the exactly. box exactly What's yeah, in the box? It wasn't, it wasn't like a point and clock. And, but this is the great thing about the Quest for Glory series is because they're just hilarious. It's like this, the story's great. The characters are awesome. And then like the Coles, they just had like this great sense of humor for stuff where you just all these little things that would come up during the game where you, you'd say something, you know, you type something kind of weird and then they just ha- they'd have it built in a response. It's just hilarious. Nice. Nice. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll bone up before we, we do our interview yeah. with them. That's next week already, right? I guess it'll be... Yeah, next Wednesday. Wow. So that'll be on next when's next week's podcast then or maybe yeah yeah cool vidcon coming up is that that's in two weeks uh, you're gonna be angry but i still haven't booked my flight <laughs> <laughs> 
I am so terribly bad at book. It, it's one of those things that, like, that you just put off and put off because it's such an unpleasant experience. It's like, oh, yeah. right, Sky Scanner tells me to do this, and then you got to arrange that and arrange this. But I will do it, or I suppose the worst case is I could drive. That would be very unpleasant and long. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, arranging for VidCon, like we've got an Airbnb there, which you know I'm excited about. We've Airbnbs are great. You've got some extra room. We've probably got a living room. We can record like uh, we would record a co- uh, podcast when we're there, right? Like live and in person. Yeah, I, I assume so. Yeah. Perfect. That'll be awesome. Who stays at the conference? I mean, I feel like there was that article in in Medium or on Me- Medium's not where it was. Medium's just the aggregator, right? But it was like saying how the top three percent of YouTubers make fourteen thousand dollars a year or something, you know, mm-hmm. from ad revenue. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. So we're definitely in that top three percent, which is great. But then yeah. it's like the hotel for VidCon is like three hundred dollars a night, and I'm yeah, like, okay, it's... so we're definitely well into that top three percent of YouTubers. Who the hell spends three hundred nights on like a business hotel? Yeah, exactly. And all the hotels around were just crazy expensive. Uh, it's this isn't some sort of five star four seasons hotel. It's a it's a four star Moven pick. It's just like it's mm-hmm. good. It's not great. It's it's insanely expensive. And I was like, yeah. wow. I guess I, I, I'm not doing so great on YouTube as I thought because there's hundreds of people just happily paying for this. It's like, alrighty. Yeah. Episode feedback. Ah, we got quite people, a bit. People here. didn't like. People didn't like the whistling for some reason. I liked the whistling. I th- I thought the whistling was very amusing. Um, yeah. I, I think I, I saw a lot of comments. People were saying it was kind of sharp on the ears. It was a bit too yeah. like. I haven't, I haven't listened to it in headphones, so maybe uh, maybe it's too too much. Speaking of speaking of headphones, I always edit with headphones. The walls are quite thin in my office, and I'm always like aware of I don't want to disturb yeah. anyone. People are also going to think it's weird that I'm listening to my own voice all day and all of this stuff. <laughs> uh, but then I realized there's a problem with editing with headphones is you can't like I, peop, I I noticed it with the with the podcast, and I noticed it with the Liechtenstein documentary, and that's like it goes. Oh, by the way, someone suggested that there should be a drinking game for this podcast. Whenever I say documentary, everyone has to take a shot. So uh, documentary, documentary, documentary. <laughs> apparently one thing you you have when you listen with uh headphones is it's harder to judge like the audio levels or something because mm-hmm. people are like ah that that's kind of harsh on my ears the uh the, the whistling or the audio balancing on the, on the the Liechtenstein dock wasn't so perfect mm-hmm. and so i bought like studio monitors so they're these big speakers okay. and they don't really do you know they don't add any depth to the sound they just represent the sound as it is mm-hmm. and so i bought these they should be arriving soon so expect an improvement in <laughs> like there won't be any sharp whistling i've now replaced that with a lovely guitar riff and yeah yeah definite better audio balancing on future documentaries take a shot people oh i got so on i i feel we're talking a lot about youtube for this podcast even though we were asking people to move over and not be on (laughs) on youtube anymore but did you see that i I made a visualizer in after effects for the the latest yeah that looked nice yeah. yeah. You know how long this took to you the beast of the computer that I built, it took an hour to render this video. It's like ten point five gigabytes big. And it's just it's not 4K, it's just HD. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's going on? And fortunately I quick internet, but I just it still took like several That's hours crazy. to upload. <laughs> It was a couple hours, I guess, uh, you know. That's so. true. That's true. It was a, a monster of a video, though. So that was, people were complaining that it was maybe sexist that we had a woman running on a on a, on a treadmill, which was maybe a bit sexually suggestive. But I, I thought it was pretty I funny. Mean, it's just a bit I thought the, the whole point was, this is like, we never, we never like clickbait or anything. So we were going to like this one time we do cats, you know, playing and then the panda eating the carrot and just like whatever, you know, you go to the YouTube trending and you see like all that and then maybe Trump, you know, that's what's on the YouTube <laughs> Oh, we should have done the fourth one. Trump. 
It should yeah. have been cats, panda, woman running, and Trump. Maybe just maybe just like wind blowing through his hair, you know, yeah, like yeah. type of thing. That would <laughs> it, have been great. And him slowly trying to put it back. <laughs> so yes, that's what we've done there. Oh, we got a uh, feedback, I guess, specifically from people. You've got one there. Did you did you grab this one, Teddy Teddy Boragnia? Yes. I love the I love the level of enthusiasm here. He's just like, you guys have a podcast now, meh. Sure, why not? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks. High praise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think I responded like, I'll take it. You know, yeah, take yeah. what you can get at this stage of the game. And it was great too, because if you go to his his profile, you know, on YouTube, it's literally like a guy like shrugging, and like, <laughs> you know, doing like a map pose. So his comment sort of fit his, 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 his little thumbnail there. At least, at least it all ties together. Oh, we wanted to clarify something about the Q&A section, right? To say that um, this shouldn't, we don't, this definitely doesn't just have to be questions about uh, Today I Found Out, uh, the YouTube channel, the podcast, Brain Food, whatever you want. Q&A comes a little bit later in the episodes. But if we, we want to say at the beginning, if you do have a question about anything, I know we're answering a couple today. Uh, do you want to tease mm-hmm. that? What have we got coming up? Yeah, I just figured I'd pick a couple from the archives that were good. One's uh, why are grandfather clocks called that, which is actually kind of an interesting story. Mm-hmm. And then why do clocks run clockwise? I know the answer to the grandfather clock one. I'm not sure if that's because yeah. we've done something on that, but that's familiar mm-hmm. to me. You might have read it recently. It's in the uh, it's in the script folder somewhere. Ah, okay, okay, good. Mm-hmm. So those are coming up. Ask us anything you like, really. It doesn't have to be like, can Simon whistle? Why does Simon not have hair? You can ask actually great questions like why are clocks running clockwise that sort of thing and we will do or our like best uh, to... why why or how to deal with a co-worker who is an extremely loud breather or whatever anything you want wait am i an extremely loud breather <laughs> 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 that probably wouldn't be good for yeah podcast people yeah. get annoyed at that. They're like, what's with the breathing it's like he's a great co-host but the breathing he's really got he's got he's got to rein that in Oh, we wanted to make a clarification. Um, on episode two, we said something about likes, dislikes not mattering. Uh, when I said that, I really just meant it in an algorithmic sense. Uh, some people follow up, followed up about that. I didn't mean like um, that it's it doesn't make a difference. It obviously guides us. Like if a video gets 90% dislikes, we're going to be like, mm, maybe we did something wrong. I just mean, yeah. I, I was just meaning algorithmically. Is there anything you wanted to add there? Yeah, because just we can see like what our normal videos get, like the ratio. And then when we see one, oh, this one got like a lot more dislikes or this one got a lot more likes. It helps to guide. Yeah. Like you said, what we're what we're doing. I mean, I think uh, I think a lot of likes and dislikes, especially it's it's not often related to what we are covering or what the video is like, unless we've got a pretty massively glaring error or something. It's usually mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't like this because that's where someone's politics sits or someone's preferences sit or, mm-hmm. you know, this or at least I found. Mm-hmm. But obviously that's once you go down to the comments you can see like oh this one got loads of dislikes because like this graphic that you know when you have that render error and it's got that thing like written in english spanish chinese or whatever and it's like media not found and it's like oh so that's why people dislike this one because there's a big (laughs) media not found thing in there um sometimes happens sometimes happens preposterous pyramids why is it preposterous? This is going to be difficult. I hope we just have preposterous in the title because otherwise I'm going to be stumbling over preposterous pyramid, this whole oh, fact section. Just wait till we get to some of the Swedish names. Oh, no. <laughs> did you spell them out like we did with the French names in the first episode? I did, and then I actually got rid of a couple of them too and just used the English translations <laughs> rather than trying to say it because I, I don't know. Like, at, like for instance, how would you say Anna Britt Agn... Agn... It's like... 
A A G N S Agnes. How do you Agnesiter? Agnesiter. That sounds right. Yeah. Hi, I'm Agnesiter. Oh, there it is. That's uh, just way too many like consonants in a row there. G N S is not a, con- a thing you see very often. I would say Agnesata, but that's or would just because be- I'm doing like a sarcastically Northern European Agnesata. voice. Agnesater. Yeah. Agnesater. You know what I can do? I can listen to it on four vote. No, it's not in Forvo. So uh, yeah, we were just we're just gonna have to wildly guess. Um, Forvo is yeah. a pronunciation tool that I often use. Yeah, and the only other one I kept in was the social. Oh, I'm not gonna be able to do this. One. Oh, the, the, so- the Swedish social or whatever it is. Strielsen. Strielsen. I'll go with that. Oh yeah, you gave two potential pronunciations phonetically. So Kaiser So al yal. It sounds more Middle Eastern than it does uh, Northern yeah. European. Strielsen. Strielsen. Oh, that's Strielsen. not bad. We'll it's almost there is an there is an R in there, but I don't know. When I was listening to the guy pronounce it, like he barely rings in on the R. He doesn't touch that R. Okay, well, what are we? You know, other than Swedish pronunciations and uh, preposterous pyramids, what what are we talking about today? We are talking about the uh, the genesis of the um, sort of the government health recommendation for the uh, little food pyramid there, which is really really bad, basically. Yes, I I, I was reading this, you know, going ahead, you know in preparation for today's episode and i'm like wow this is truly messed up this is yeah this is wildly wrong in exactly. fact i mean we it goes all the way back like a hundred plus years or something but it seems that the usda what what is the usda just i mean i'm familiar uh, with with this vague the united group. states department of agriculture okay and they deal with you know food and agriculture obviously um <laughs> so yeah they actually had a uh, their their first um nutritional guideline was all the way back in 1894 and this one was actually pretty good it was just basically moderation and everything mm-hmm. um, eat, eat like nutrition rich foods and uh, watch your portion size and avoid too much fat that's that was basically their recommendation and it's uh it's not bad that seems in line with what people would say today certainly moderation in everything i often yeah. hear people saying don't worry so much about fat but worry more about sugar these days they don't really make anything any mention of sugar but i guess sugar was less of a thing back then less processed sugar for yeah sure. processed sugar yeah definitely they didn't have that and you know i mean fat it's not like it, fat is inherently bad at all you need fat to live if you didn't if you stopped eating fat you would completely you would die uh, oh. soon and so you do need fat and but the main Rapidly. thing is if you eat the, the the main problem with it is just if it's so calorie dense compared to proteins and carbohydrates that when you know if you're eating a lot of fat you're just probably going to have trouble eating enough protein and carbs to you know function getting all your nutrition and stuff so you're just you're going to be overeating probably ah because it satisfies you so quickly that you just eat that and you don't eat the rest of the stuff yeah it's just it's the calorie dense so you can like to get full on fat you know you're gonna you're gonna be eating just a massive amount of calories and then you know then if you're still getting your protein and your carbs that you need um you know your other nutrition sources then you're gonna just be eating too many calories and gaining a lot of fat because of it right so they made this recommendation in 1894 i I don't know how accurate this is but i kind of imagine like 1894 there's kind of probably still like really crazy pseudoscience and people doing leeches (laughs) and there's definitely not controlled studies and stuff this is pretty good were they just guessing or this is this is not that long after you know that many uh, that, uh, maybe it's even before I'm not sure around this era where they had the whole Kellogg's thing with his weird stuff and then uh, not long before he had the graham cracker where like the graham cracker was the cure for masturbation and sexual urges you oh, know I remember that like one that, we got to keep yeah, this that, clean you know last yeah. week we had the, the sexual dolphin this week we have graham crackers <laughs> and his masturbation uh, urges 
but wait, yeah, what was the was, Kellogg thing? Yeah, uh, so I should say it was more the graham flour, not so much the graham cracker, but you know, the the, the modern graham cracker is a little bit different than, than what was back then. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the Kellogg thing, he had like, um, so he had his own little facility where he would go and his, you know, cure yourself of sexual urges and things like that to stay healthy. Oh, wow. So, okay. It was him and the graham cracker guy. People were really into curing sexual urges with food back they, in well, the day. Well, because there was this idea that like your, uh, so your sexual urges and so when you have sex and orgasm or whatever that it was like sapping you of your energy that you needed. So, um, yeah. Wow. That was a thing. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So this, the this 1800s the are really in the 1800s. <laughs> They were really, there were so many great uh, stories of that, like the nutrition ideas, like you say. And so, so this uh, USDA recommendation from the late 19th century is actually quite, quite good. Was this something people adopted back then? Were they like, yeah, we should listen to the USDA and kind of, uh, and, and do what they say. Although I imagine kind of like in 1894, it was, I don't know how it was in the States, but in the UK, it was kind of like, if you were fat, you were rich because there was, (laughs) I don't know, this is, this is one of those things where it's like, haven't done any research into this. This could just be one of those things that you were told like at school and it turns out to be utterly false but there wasn't so much food back in the day well presumably if you were you know if you were poor you probably weren't eating very well because back then you know you might have a diet of cheese and bread maybe cheese if you were if you were lucky (laughs) if you're unlucky you definitely had bread okay Um, so so they kind of got it right it was adopted people used that this was probably the best recommendation from the usda until like now Wow. What they did in between is just get progressively worse. And in between is is a good 120 some years. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So where did it all go wrong? I mean, I'm guessing from the preposterous pyramids, it's definitely got something to do with that food pyramid you mentioned and it being a little bit preposterous. Yeah, it was in the late 20th century. But to to look, it wasn't actually the USDA that came up with the food pyramid in the first place. The idea that you have to go over to Sweden. And um, so in the the 1970s, Sweden was having trouble with high food prices and shortages and whatnot. So uh, the government, let's see, the National Board of Health and Welfare. (laughs) I don't know if I should even try to do the Swedish pronunciation. Do you want to give it a go? I'm going to get it just as wrong as you. But let's go with the uh, the Strielsen. The, so, the, 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 so, the Social Strielsen. Yeah, or the National Board of Welfare or Health and Welfare. So they were like, how can we solve this? You know, we need to give recommendation. What can people eat with the high food prices? What should you eat to make sure you're getting your proper nutrition? And so they came up with this idea in 1972 that was, you, so you separate things by basic foods, which were just um, essential for your well-being mm-hmm. and then supplementary foods which had your vitamins and minerals and stuff like that so um and that's that's a, a pretty good way to break things up actually wait but aren't basic um, aren't vitamins and minerals basic i mean you have to have them well, right they're not optional yeah but i think the point is so you have your i mean i'm guessing what they were thinking is so you have your main three macronutrients um yeah or micronutrients i always get it confused but anyways you have your carbohydrates proteins and fats and those are sort of your your main staples and then you have under that you have your um you know your vitamins and minerals that you also need and if you're eating you know healthily you're probably getting the vitamins or minerals sometimes back then it wasn't quite as much because you did nowadays food sourced from all over the place and so you kind of get a good mix but there was problems like soil in certain areas didn't have enough of vitamins and minerals or the minerals and stuff that you might need and so if you were eating only locally you might not actually be getting um, but that's that's I don't know in the 1970s that probably wasn't so much a problem anymore but that was that was a thing uh, at a certain point which is actually how iodine um, why iodine is added to salt um, because that used to be a problem um, that isn't so much anymore. This is, I knew we had this topic coming up today. Last night, it's, it's, it's you know, March here or late February as it was. And last night, 
I'm eating a mango. It's minus 14 degrees outside. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, is this mango, right? Yeah, can I eat this? Like, wow, life is good. I'm having a mango. It's <laughs> minus 14 outside. I live in the future. And I have it's no true. idea the environmental consequences of this. So I'm sure we might have some people emailing in saying, Simon, try and eat, you know, uh, what's in season. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but mangoes are great. It's great. You go to the supermarket and you can just get like whatever fruit you want, pretty yeah. much. Anything, nice. anything, any time of year. It's and, and it's not bruised. It's not weird. It's just delicious. Yeah. So these basic and supplementary foods. So basically, the basic foods are this is what you need to not starve. And then the supplementary foods are like, mm, you probably need to consider this within a few months. So you're going to get scurvy or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So they their version was sort of this um, circular you know, showing it on, I don't know, uh, I guess kind of like a plate or whatever. So this woman, Anna Britt Agnesitar, I, I really, <laughs> what do you think on that last name? Yeah, I like Agnes Tar. Agnes <laughs> It sounds like you a don't, like Agnes, Mrs. Agnes Tar. At least in English, you don't see the G-N-S in consecutively like that too often. Like, how do you pronounce that? I would go That's... Agnes Sarter, but who knows? Agnes we could just call her by her first name, Anna. Anna, <laughs> yes. So yeah, she was working for the Swedish Co-op Union. It was a retail grocery cooperative. I don't know if they're still around now, but uh, she thought a better idea was to go with a triangle because if you had a pyramid shape, you could then put the portions that you that you needed of each one and very easily to see like visually like, okay, this much proportion of this and this and this. And it was much better than the circular in her opinion. So they so came up with that. So she wasn't a fan of pie charts? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she hates and- pie charts. She was like, it encourages people to eat pie. I cannot be having this. And so in her uh, in the Swedish Cooperative Union's annual magazine, they put out a thing with this food pyramid idea in there. And that was the first food pyramid. And it was actually not bad, uh, especially, you know, given the state of nutrition knowledge and biology back then. Like it was quite good, quite good recommendation. Well, actually, we should link uh, the images in the description so you can go yeah. check those out for people who want to go look at it. Podcasting, not a brilliant visual medium. <laughs> We're looking at this right now and it looks great. It, it does. It does. Are, are we are we talking about these 90, this 1970s version? What do you reckon? Is it better than the USDA's 1894 version from... Uh, 80 years previously it's kind of just an improvement on that idea the same general idea but more showing kind of proportions of each of your proteins and your your carb sources and stuff like that and so yeah it's a good it's a good little diagram so we're not preposterous yet no, not preposterous. Although the Swedish government didn't like this triangle idea, they wanted they they preferred their circular model, so they kind of disavowed it a little bit. But this oh. this was popular and it caught on a bit. And so that brings us to the uh, when America picked this. Wait, up is there? And, a, do you know why they didn't like it? I mean, the food pyramids, at least what you know, sticks in mind today. Is there a reason the Swedes were like, mm, we like our circle pie chart thing? I don't know. I don't mm. know. Maybe uh, maybe they just didn't because they didn't think of it. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> the, it was just petty politics. It was just some guy in a government office being like, no, I like my circle. USA, 1992, they come up with their own version of it. And this is this is quite an interesting story. Now, if you look in the description, you'll see some pretty interesting differences between that and the Swedish version. And uh, some, some questionable choices. Um, so uh, in the American version, dairy gets its own section for some reason. Even yeah, though- some stuff sticks out at me. Like, I'm not a huge nutrition expert, but like dairy i'm fairly sure that's not actually vital to humans right like yeah exactly so it has the fats and you know 
know, things like that. And, and good, there's good stuff in there for you to eat and everything. But it's not like you can get it from other sources. You don't need dairy. But in its own little section, it seems like on the triangle, you're like, oh, well, that's necessary. I better drink my milk or eat my cheese or whatever. I'm not going to get everything I need. But no, that's not the case at all. You can get the nutrients and stuff from, from other sources easy enough. Right. We had this thing. I don't know if you have this, but calcium and, and milk for teeth, like drink your milk because it makes your teeth yeah. strong. It's like, mm, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, these sort of milks are reasonable source of calcium. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it's also high, pretty high in fat, which can, it's it's good fats and everything like that, but uh, it's not necessary. Again, you can get it from other sources. No need. I mean, any vegan will tell you that you do not need milk to, to get all your nutrients. Yes. Uh, you do need human milk as a baby, right? That's all. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You will definitely die without that. <laughs> or the modern formulas, which actually, that's only a pretty recent, uh, what was it, in the mid 20th century or so when it finally, and before that, like, if you didn't have human breast milk, you would, they'd try different stuff like, you know, goat's milk and things like this, and you'd probably die unless you were, I mean, if you were old enough, wow. uh, if you reached past a certain point until they came up with a good formula, which still wasn't ideal. Obviously, breast milk's way better, but um, at least you would live. But formula today is is a acceptable. This could be an interesting topic to touch on in the future, because I, re- I remember this being a big thing, uh, you know, a few years ago or maybe more than yeah, a breast, few years ago. <laughs> there's still way more benefits to the breast milk. It's still, it's not like the formula's been perfected or anything, so mm. that, you know, pretty much every health body will recommend go with the breast milk if you can. But if you can't, the formula, I mean, there's good formulas out there and it's not like your, your kid's going to be you know, significantly different or anything because you went with formula. <laughs> they might have a couple of risk factors that you you might not have had or little benefits, but it's a mild thing. So there you go. So milk's got its own section. There's other stuff wrong with this. Do we have anything? Are we are we touching on like how many servings are supposed to be had? I don't think I remember reading this in the just in in the outline oh, this, for today. But this gets this gets. Uh, so the woman the woman who is the leader of the nutrition group, um, her name was Louis Light. Louise Light. Louise Light. Yeah. Uh, she she rings in on this, and we have a great the American quote. The American. American group. Yeah, the American group. And she rings in on basically just how awful this is because they, they the nutrition group that, that got, they got put in charge of making this. They made a good one, apparently. It's never oh. been publicly released. Okay. Uh, and then they sent it in for approval and it was like, yeah, it came back very different from what they had. And she has a great quote on why, why, how all this came to be. So if you go, uh, if you want to. Sorry, when, when you say, that. so they sent it in for approval, like to the USDA. Well, she worked for the USDA. Ah, okay. So, yeah, <laughs> so she's an actual scientist. She comes up with something good. She sends it into her boss, and he's like, "We're gonna need some changes." <laughs> Yeah, we're going to need some like wholesale changes here <laughs> because this isn't going to work for us. Yeah. So she she explains uh, uh why so so her to some her her long her long little uh, rant on this was she said it got sold to the highest bidder. So then she goes on if you want to read that. Wow, you quote. want me to read the monster quote? Okay, here we go. Yeah. So she says when our version of the food guide came back to us revised, we were shocked to find that it was vastly different from the one we had developed. As I later discovered, the wholesale changes made to the guide by the Office of the Secretary of Agriculture were calculated to win the acceptance of the food industry. For instance, the Agriculture Secretary's office altered wording to emphasize processed foods over fresh and whole foods. Uh, this isn't from her quote, but that sounds like a terrible idea. 
that's not good. Uh, she continues to downplay lean meats and low-fat dairy choices because the meat and milk lobbies believed it had hurt sales of full-fat products. It also hugely increased the servings of wheat and other grains to make the wheat growers happy. The meat lobby also got the final word on the color of the saturated fat cholesterol guideline, which was changed from red to purple because meat producers worried that using red to signify bad fat would be linked to red meat in consumers' minds. Where we, the USDA nutritionists, called for a base of five to nine servings of fresh fruits and veg- fruits and vegetables a day, it was replaced with a poultry two to three servings, changed to five to seven servings a couple of years later because an anti-cancer campaign by another government agency, the National Cancer Institute, forced the USDA to adopt the higher standard. Our recommendation of three to four daily servings of whole grain breads and cereals was changed to a whopping six to eleven servings, forming the base of the food pyramid as a concession to the processed wheat and corn industries. Moreover, my nutritionist group had placed baked goods made with white flour, including crackers, sweets, and other low-nutrient foods laden with sugars and fats, at the peak of the pyramid, recommending that they be eaten sparingly. To our alarm, in the revised food guide, they were now made part of the pyramid's base. And in yet one more assault on dietary logic, changes were made to the wording of the dietary guidelines from eat less to avoid too much, giving a nod to the processed food interests by not limiting highly profitable fun foods, like uh, junk, uh, junk foods by any other name, that might affect the bottom line of food companies. Wow, this is where her quote ends, and they just completely changed everything. Yeah, basically. Also, uh, this is my comment about the servings. How big is a serving? Because that seems, this is per day, six to 11 servings of bread, cereal, rice, pasta, etc. Two to four servings. Wait, it's crazy. Two to four servings of fruit, three to five servings of vegetables, two to three servings of milk, yogurt, cheeses, etc. Uh, two to three servings of meat, poultry, etc. And then fat oils and sweets used sparingly. That's an insane amount of food. Yeah, I think, well, I think part of it is they're going because uh, people's nutritional needs it varies based on your exercise and, you know, your activity levels each day. Your so if you're a marathon runner, stuff. this is perfect yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of a ratios, you know, that I think, I think they're going for with when they say servings is more just the ratio thing but it's still it's like eat mostly crackers and a little bit of fruit yeah it is it is pretty wild that bread rice cereal pasta make up the majority of what you should be eating in that in that thing whereas vegetables is you know slightly less vegetables and if you're if you're an athlete and or you just work out a lot or really active maybe you're a construction worker or something you do need a lot of carbs because you need that energy you need your body needs that so maybe that'll be all right for you but for most people that's just probably way 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 too much yeah yeah it's, it's it seems like a huge amount of that sort of food yeah and i love this the wall street journal uh commenting on this uh obviously correlation does not equal causation but they did uh, sort of humorously point out that after the food pyramid was introduced the the every year since the obesity rates have risen in america so this basically the government that the usda is is so influential this is where people look to for their nutritional advice when i was when i well i don't think uh people do per se but like the when i was a kid it definitely the food pyramid was up you know you had the poster on the wall and and that was a thing like oh i gotta i'm looking at it as a kid and i I, there were times when i was like oh i am supposed to eat all this bread you know like all this white (laughs) bread and crackers it says right there that's what i'm supposed to mostly uh so yeah it was in schools i would say it was definitely like a thing that was 
was taught and you, what you saw on the posters and stuff. So there was definitely a good influence, which is why the food industries were worried about it because you put this recommendation out from the government and it's like people are going to follow this and wait a minute, it's just saying eat like fruits and vegetables and stuff uh, and, you know, some lean meats and things. So you can see why certain industries would be like, no, no, everybody, let's go with let's go with the crackers. It's, it's, so it, was, it seems definitely more targeted at the next generation, sort of, you know, children mm-hmm. having that poster on the wall of a school because I'm like, I, I don't I don't even know what the, the British equivalent of the USDA is. I assume it's like some mm-hmm. I, or like who would tell me like who would do our food pyramid or our dietary. Maybe it'd be like the NHS website. I would so never you go never there have, to be. Sorry. You never had like a thing in school. You never had like a thing in school where they have where they tell you like uh, any sort of food nutrition stuff like general recommendations from the government i'm not i i have to say i don't remember i i definitely don't remember there being a food pyramid on the wall i maybe remember no i i, I honestly don't remember it'd be I, I kind of am familiar with the food pyramid but i'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. because of just exposure to popular american culture or mm-hmm. because it was actually in our biology textbooks as well interesting um, but but certainly definitely not a poster on the wall telling me what to eat as an adult it's i, I definitely wouldn't look to this to to guide me but it's fascinating how you're like yeah eat lots of bread and if you weren't aware of this you'd probably be still like yeah eat lots of bread uh, yeah as a kid as a kid i definitely looked at the the poster and was like oh all right <laughs> i should be eating all of this bread and pasta <laughs> I was a big fan of like the saltine crackers. Open the whole pack, eat the whole thing. Wow, I, I don't know what a saltine cracker is, but really, is it uh, good? so? Um, it's very good if you like salt. Who doesn't? <laughs> really, don't. I'm sure you have this. I'm just probably calling it. Man, by it's a probably name. just got a different name. Yeah. So thin. I don't know. Hard. Hard little bread, bready thing with salt on it. Ritz yeah. crackers. Are you are you familiar with Ritz crackers? I am familiar with Ritz. I'm looking. Oh no, uh, I, I went to I, I googled this, and you know what I got? Yahoo Answers. Blast from the past. <laughs> Salting crackers. What are they called in the UK? <laughs> they don't exist in the UK, says Danielle. Really? And Ritz crackers are not even close. The closest thing in the UK to a saltine is a low-fat cream cracker. Oh, okay. Now, but they're not very salty. Um, I'm going to have to, uh, when I come to Amsterdam, I'm going to bring a pack. Just all right. Tra- what if they're if really like delicious? S- and then I'm like, you have to be packaging <laughs> these off to me like every month. Just a big box of saltine crackers. If you like salty things, Ritz crackers and uh, just general salty and crackers are delicious there's actually an american store that sells like american candy and stuff uh very close to my house so maybe i'll mm-hmm. pop by there after this podcast and, and pick yeah. up some salty crackers if they have them uh speaking of salt on things yes so um nice segue when the uh when the usda eventually modified they were being pressured to modify the pyramid obviously but in this case for it they had this part that says eat less salt and sugar but the sugar industry didn't like this because they didn't want that's just a general blanket statement like don't eat less sugar that's not a good thing for they don't want that so they were like let's change it to eat less salt but moderate your sugar okay instead and so that's that's what the usda went with but the funny part about this is so sugar eating excessive amounts of sugar i mean sugar is not inherently bad for you necessarily it's all about portions especially depending on your activity level but eating excessive amounts of sugar is is bad for you in so many ways but eating excessive amounts of sodium the the research there is not so clear-cut as as most health organizations sort of publicly put out um there's actually there's quite a bit of uh, caveats and the research is still ongoing in there did we do a video about this 
We absolutely did, and yeah. it's a great one because it sort of it sort of shows it, science isn't always. So there's the you know the governments they make their recommendations, but sometimes research changes over time. And this one, the salt one, uh, sort of started as a I think it was in the 1960s. There was these rat studies that showed high sodium would you know do high blood pressure, but the problem was in those rat studies they were basing it on it was like 20 times the amount that most people eat, like most humans eat, and that was causing you know that was causing a problem in the rats. So this is- it's like a, the aspartame video as well. Yeah, so it, for it's sort of one of those where it should be further research is needed on humans and see what's happening on actual levels that people eat. And uh, there has been a lot of further research in the time in between, but the recommendations really got made based on some of that early research that we needed more research. And so now there, it's been about a half century now where there's been this real controversy within the you know medical science community of whether this is actually a thing, whether high sodium actually in the general case, obviously. There's caveats to all this, so it's it's something that needs like its own topic yeah. uh, to really get in, dive into. But but whether if in the general case this is actually going to lead to more heart disease, so the idea is so you have high sodium that's going to increase your your blood pressure, which will mean more um, heart disease in the long term. But it it turns out the research on humans doesn't actually show that that's the case yet. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't appear to be happening. So they have this, um, so a Cochrane review in 2011, uh, just to sort of sum up the sort of the controversy there, they concluded after more than 150 random cr- clinical trials and 13 population studies without an obvious signal for in favor of sodium reduction, another position could be to accept that such a, such a signal may not exist. And then to follow that up, there was uh, Dr. Ronald Baer and, uh, and a bunch of doctors noted in a paper, it's called Salt and Public Health. It was after careful consideration of the debate over salt, we have concluded that the concealment of scientific uncertainty is a mistake that serves neither the ends of science nor good policy. And basically, they were just commenting on the fact that the research isn't really there. So it's there's a lot of controversy. And there is, you know, there's these sub cases where, yeah, maybe you do want to lower your salt intake. But then we're when you're looking at these government re- recommendations, you're really looking at the general case. And for the general case, it doesn't appear, at least on the research so far, that high sodium intake actually leads to um, more heart problems later. Uh- I love how this is seems to be the more controversial opinion. Sort of, if you're like having, you're adding like some salt to some fries or whatever, people go, "Oh, you shouldn't be eating so much salt." And it's like to say that actually salt is probably not actually bad for you. There's certainly no conclusive science to back this up. People will be like, mm, "I don't know about that." Or like, yeah. you're drinking a diet coke, and they'll be like, mm, "Maybe you should drink the regular coke." And it's like, "Well, actually, yeah. there's not really any science to back this up." People will be like, yeah. "Yeah, but it causes cancer." No, it doesn't. Well, I've got my opinion. You've got yours. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. And it's like, no, we don't want to leave it there because <laughs> nobody bothers to actually go read the studies. And there's certainly there's always you know little studies of this and that that show that you know things maybe limb- limited sample size and then so further research is needed and so you look at these and that's where like the Cochrane review is looking at like all these studies to see what's what's the what's actually looking like it's going on here yeah. when you look at the larger body of research and and that is basically their conclusion so far and so it's still a it's still a great and you absolutely salt you would die pretty quickly if you just stopped eating all so uh, all salt altogether you need it to live we were talking about food pyramids and stuff we got on to on to salt yeah. and all this so it was just sorts of things. It was just sort of ironic that they went with the sugar, moderate your sugar, but eat less salt. And when when it's actually this, you know, the research, the salt is eh, that one. You might just be able to eat a lot of salt depending on the person and stuff. And but the sugar, like, it's definitely bad for everyone if you eat massive amounts of sugar, which a lot of people do. And this was again taking it all back because the sugar lobby was pushing. Yeah, the, the sugar lobby was like, yeah, but apparently the salt lobby's no not good. Yeah, the, <laughs> they, they should have. Maybe there isn't a salt lobby. 
it's really amazing quite how much pressure actually works. And it's like mm-hmm. a governmental body will entirely change their position because of what's going on here. I mean, it's just essentially someone is donating money to someone somewhere and that's altering their opinions. They can also, I imagine there's also, so you have a politician who's from a certain district and maybe it's a farming district and they do wheat, right? Uh, and so they okay. go, well, this, this, if a lot of people eat less wheat, maybe the price of wheat goes down and I have people out of work in my district. And so it's not like all lining the politician's pockets. A lot of time lobbying is just that. It's, it's all right, my district, these are jobs and I want to keep those jobs for my people because I represent them. So it's not all completely shady. No. Uh, you know, it's not all just, you know, I've got a million dollars in the bank now or anything like that. In fact, I would say most of the time with lobbyists, it's more of that other one where they're like, hey, but if you pass this thing, then you're not going to hear all these people in your in your district. Maybe, or maybe you're going to be out of work or whatever. In the news, the lobbying is always kind of, you only hear about the bad lobbying, sort of the shady lobbying. Yeah. But in fact, you have all these groups that are lobbying. And a lot of times it's just educating the politician about the thing because politician might not know anything about it. So a group comes and says, or here's the science behind this or whatever and so sometimes that's that's sometimes lobbying is a very good thing but that, that kind <laughs> so of lobbying like, yes white bread is fantastic for you <laughs> yeah. yeah that kind of lobbying this is the, the ceo of like white bread company <laughs> yeah yeah, and I'm sure they got to take that with a uh, with a grain of salt. Um, but Not too much salt, though. So you have there is good lobbying. It's just that type doesn't usually make the news. You know, there's lobbying on all the different sides, and the politicians, in the at the end of the day, have to make the decisions. So yeah. right, and that's kind of, I mean, as much as it leads to this bad decision or not decision Sometimes, or yeah. like bad outcome, where it's like you got a crazy, preposterous pyramid, a food pyramid. But I kind of get it. Like if you come from a state where you're just farming sugar. Mm-hmm. You don't really farm sugar. Yeah. You farm sugar cane, and that then makes That's the shoe. How does that work? There's lots of sources. You have like corn syrup, which is you know a substitute uh, popularly used and stuff like that. So you have the corn industry yeah. lobbying hard there, um, and you you know you have your cheese states that make a lot of cheese and they they want to make sure people are eating their dairy food uh, yeah also then you imagine like it's yeah super easy to imagine like okay so all of these people work in the sugar business i hear on the grapevine that they're going to make an adjustment to this recommendation that says eat less sugar i'm going to run that up the flagpole to the person who's on top of me and see if they know someone somewhere who can maybe soften this up a little bit and yeah then you have bad recommendations for people's health and everyone gets fat essentially yeah, <laughs> yeah. so at this point, people might be wondering, uh, so is there a good food pyramid or whatever out there? And it turns out there is. Uh, Harvard actually used to put out a, their own food pyramid that was actually based on good science instead of, you know, there was very much in response to the bad food pyramid the USDA was putting out. I've heard Harvard's uh, quite good at science. So. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So they had their own version. And then um, more recently, because the USDA switched to the plate version, which going back to the Sweden's version, original. Oh, the uh, circle. Yeah. And oh. Harvard came out with their own little plate, um, which just shows the portions of each sort of group. And it's a lot simpler. And without pictures of food items, it just kind of shows the different um, stuff. And we'll link to that as well so people can look at it. And the Harvard's version, their plate version is quite good. Um, the USDA's version, actually, the, the most recent one, I should say, actually pretty closely mirrors the Harvard one. So they've gotten a lot better. This one is actually pretty good, but they still they still have dairy. They still have dairy as its own thing that you must have. Okay, but we're not... It's not on the, the the walls of American schools that 
there's a giant white bread thing at the base of the pyramid that everyone should be eating. They've, they've actually changed it. Yeah, now it's color-coded. There's no food items, so you don't see crackers. It's more just portions, and it's a pretty good, so okay. uh, we should probably describe it for people. Let me see here. So the Harvard's version is, uh, and it's pretty much mirrors the, the USDA, other than the, the USDA still, still says you need to have dairy. The new uh, USDA so, one. Yeah, the new the yeah. latest one. is is uh, So Harvard's got half of what's on your plate should be fruits and vegetables, which is smart. Good. There you go. Yeah, and they they do note that French fries don't count as a vegetable, even though you know, Damn. even though they're from potatoes growing from the ground. Uh, a quarter need to be from healthy proteins like poultry, fish, beans, and nuts, but limiting red meat and cheese and avoiding processed meats altogether. Wow, another good, good. The processed good meat industry. So this makes it onto the the USDA's one. I don't think the USDA the USDA's picture, I should say, mirrors Harvard's. I didn't read through. They have a massive number of um, of pages on their exact. If you want to dive into it but just if you just go with the picture which is mo- i mean who, nobody's going to read their website people yeah. are just looking at the picture uh, i would love the- to see if they say anything about avoiding processed meats altogether because if i was the guy in the processed meat industry i would be yeah. like this is where we must be spending all of our money immediately we need to change this who do we have to bribe <laughs> yeah and so th- i did look into their what they actually say about the dairy group because yeah. i was like all right you still got it on your own thing what is it and it literally says <laughs> the amount of food from the dairy group you need to eat like that's an actual wow. Quote, uh, requirement so, but okay so the harvard the back to that so other than that so then the final quarter is just made up of whole grains like brown rice and stuff like that okay and that's it oh and they do note also when you're using oils and stuff use stuff that has healthy fats like from olive oil and olive stuff oil like and that such. okay i got a question it's not on our on our outline so i don't know if you know the answer uh, i don't know the answer for sure but fruits and vegetables did you uh, one thing i definitely had growing up was five a day is this something you're familiar with that sounds vaguely familiar so it's like it was a huge thing in the UK. I, it might still be, but it was like, you know, have five fruits and vegetables a day and you'd have kind of like, you know, you'd buy an apple and it'd be like, there'd be a sticker on it saying one of your five a day. And then it got a bit weird because you'd like buy Tropicana, you know, the, the, the orange juice. And it would say like one 250 mil glasses, one of your five a day. And this becomes a bit sketchy because as far as I'm aware, that's basically just liquid sugar with some, <laughs> you know, nutri- you know, it's got some like, yeah, it's... I, I think Adam... I've never looked into it myself. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably way well because anytime you're drinking your calories, you're probably because it's so easy to do drink way too much. You know, it's not going to make you feel full. Uh, So that's that's potentially a problem. I did. uh, Adam ruins everything. Had a had a thing on orange juice, and I haven't actually looked into it to make sure he's accurate because they're not always completely accurate. There, Mm -hmm. they 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 sometimes sacrifice their accuracy for a little bit of humor, which is you know completely understandable for the show type. But uh, so they had a thing on the orange juice where they were talking about that orange juice the reason it doesn't actually taste like oranges is because when you when you process it when you pasteurize the, the it ends up tasting like basically nothing and so they have to put some sort of orangey flavor back in so that is the that's also why so many different types of orange juice taste differently okay we might be talking about something different or tropicana tastes different over here because it's a hundred percent squeezed oranges oh no it says it's a hundred percent but according to adam runes and everything and again i have not double checked him on this but uh the when they when they pasteurize it it makes it taste like nothing basically basically and then huh. so they have they have to they add a flavor in at the end that is you know it is tasty but it doesn't quite taste like like if you bite into an orange and then you you take the tropicana it's a bit it's a different flavor you can't really compare eating like a carrot to having a half a glass of tropicana because yeah like no. one is definitely well, because good for you one is liquid sugar 
the other thing is there's a lot of of your um again micronutrients and macronutrients i always get confused but the you know the vitamins and minerals there's a lot of stuff when you're eating it's not just what's on the label you know there's a lot of little things that you need and when you're just squeezing the juice out you're not necessarily getting all the you know you're not getting you're definitely not getting the fiber and yep. stuff like that uh so yeah there is much better to eat the actual fruit so we had the article on the or the video on the queen, what her powers were, you know, yes. and how she, how she sort of rarely steps in. But there there was a note I thought was interesting there. Speaking of lobbying, is she sort of like tells people stuff behind the scenes a little bit? She'll, you yeah, know, she has a meeting comment. with the prime minister every week. Yeah, stuff like that, which is sort of her version of lobbying may not make the papers on what she said, but it apparently influences policy to some extent. I don't know if I'd call it lobbying per se or like putting her own interests across. I think, I don't know. I don't know what goes on in those meetings, but I imagine she's pursuing the interests of the country rather than her oh, yeah, own for, agenda or the yeah. agenda of her friends. Exactly. Um, but it could still, it could still be lobbying in that sense. It's just not for herself, but for, you know, the people or whatever. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'd see it more like, I don't know what the difference between lobbying and advice is, but she's lived through like 400 prime ministers. So yeah she yeah so a, she has a good experience experience on things but that is that is the thing you have this lobbying has this negative connotation because people people do think of that oh it's they're just interest groups or whatever but yeah but but a lot of the time lobbying is just educating the politician about something and it is sometimes for an interest group but uh yeah it's not necessarily a bad thing per se sometimes it is just giving advice to some extent yeah i think uh, at least my understanding of it probably came far too much from that movie thank you for smoking rather than <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you seen that that's, that's a, great I, that is a great movie yeah yeah. His character is awesome in that character. Yeah. It's, oh, he's hilarious. So good. I got to see that again. It's been too long. Um, yeah. That's our movie recommendation for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Although if you still haven't seen First Contact, uh, Star Trek First Contact, you got to watch that yeah. first. <laughs> and a follow up on that, I did forget to mention, have you ever seen the episode of Star Trek Next Generation called First Contact? In I've seen four? all the episodes. Uh, yeah. You have to remind me. It's the one where Riker is is on the planet and he they're trying to make First Contact and he's going a little uh, reconnaissance to sort of scout things out a little bit. And he, he ends up getting injured or something. So they ends up in the hospital, right? Yeah. He's ringing a bell. And uh, there's just... I don't know, so Riker that... ends up in the hospital a lot. You know, he gets cut and beat up. He's like the new Kirk. Yeah, so they... So they, they they figure out he's an alien right and it's uh it's just like it's a great it's is one of my top five favorite episodes of that it's just a phenomenal there's this one hilarious scene which you might remember where he's in the hospital and this woman's like i'll help you escape but you have to sleep with me and she's like i've always wanted to sleep with an alien and the actress who does it she just it's hilarious the way she does it and he's just like what and then being Riker, he totally does it yeah, he's like, <laughs> i'll take that bullet <laughs> yeah and then he sits down in a chair in a weird way. It's like classic yeah. Riker. But there is this scene at the end. It's just one of my favorite scenes in the entire thing. It's a spoiler for people who haven't seen it. I have uh, to the, say, this the... does sound so like a season one episode where it's like Riker gets captured by an alien race and he's forced to sleep with someone. They, they, they were definitely still finding their feet back then. Yeah, no, there is this great, it's, uh, there's a great dialogue between Picard doing his, you know, his thing with the with the ambassador or whatever, the, the leader yeah. of the world. And so there's this great dialogue between them, great scenes between them. And then there's this end scene with a woman who is an actress who plays she plays a lot of different roles often like a Romulan she's a Romulan admiral I think at one point or a captain something anyways in this one she plays and she has this scene at the end where they're going to shut down the warp program on her planet and she's just like I have one more request take me with you and it's just this great oh, I little, remember this episode yeah that's it's just a phenomenally acted scene in Picard and the and the um the leader of the world there's just kind of that that last scene is, is great I love that one 
fruits and vegetables. So at this point, people might be wondering what what's what's with the confusion between what's a fruit and what's a vegetable. I love how we always presume to be, you know, what are people wondering? <laughs> it's just such a nice way to segue into something. Yeah, it's like you might be thinking of this, and if I you hope aren't, you're wondering you it because are now <laughs> because we're going to start talking about it. And if yes. you're not wondering, you might be shutting it off right now. <laughs> fruits and vegetables. Botanically speaking, there is a very clear dis- uh, uh, divider between what's a fruit and what's a vegetable. It's it's quite so if it's a part of the flowering plant that contains the seeds and are the means by which such plants disseminate those seeds, that's a fruit. So even nuts, nuts are fruits, a lot of grains are fruits, you have grains, uh, over, they're just oversized seeds, um, so all fruits, not things people could uh, typically think of fruits, and I don't think this is the definition that the various uh, guidelines are going with. And so then vegetables, botanically speaking, are just the parts of the, all the other parts of the plant. So leaves, whatever, roots, that's the uh, botanical def- botanical definition of fruit. So this is really different to like how I would imagine things. Like, yeah, but it, I'm usually it, like, it, nah, if it's sweet, it's a fruit. If it's savory, it's a vegetable. With some things, ex- maybe not. Exactly, and so that's where this is where the confusion comes in. So you have you'll have this, and so you say, um, so you you know, the people say, oh, tomatoes a fruit, or tomatoes vegetable, or whatever. And so you have the culinary one, which is just it's not completely arbitrary, but it's a lot based on tradition and, like you say, what's sweet and what's what's savory. Um, and also, like tra- by tradition, a lot if it's served in a dessert form or by itself as a snack, then it's probably going to be considered in the culinary world a fruit. And mm-hmm. if it's part of the main dish, then it's going to probably be considered a vegetable. But it's very arbitrary, and that's why that's where all the confusion comes from. I think we should start lobbying for botanically accurate supermarkets <laughs> yeah. where everything's divided, and people will be very confused. They'll be looking through, you know, those things that weigh the fruits and vegetables, and they're pressing the buttons. They're like, "Where are the tomatoes?" So I, I do think. I think the uh, most of like the Harvard recommendation and those are going with the the traditional what most people think uh, culinary sense of the of the words. But they say fruits and vegetables, lumping them into one. They shouldn't be separate, like at least in the culinary yeah. sense, because one's much more sugary, one's much more yeah. you know. And it's not it's not like that sugary is bad for you at all, and especially in the quantity most people eat fruits, you'd have mm-hmm. to eat like a massive amount of fruit for that to probably be a problem. It's more just the refined sugar and stuff. When you drink a can of Coke or something, which just has a massive amount amount of sugar it's actually a fun fact one can of coke a 12 ounce uh, i don't know what would that be what's your typical size uh, can? three three thirty mils it's okay. about the same yeah one can of that actually has quite a bit more sugar than a full serving of cotton candy the full you know fluffy on the stick wow there you yeah. go yeah and that that is pure sugar that, that cotton candy have have do you have coke zero yeah tastes exactly yeah. the same have the, the coke, coke zero <laughs> The Coke Zero Sugar, which is funny that they call it sugar to distinguish it. Yeah, it absolutely tastes very. You can. There's a slight aspartame aftertaste, I think, but it, but it's it's almost not noticeable. Unlike most diet sodas, where I, I personally think it's very noticeable. Ah, yeah, yeah I, I I don't know. I think I I generally diet Coke or Coke Zero. And if you eat enough of it, apparently your uh, your urine will taste sweet. Really? The, would you find the aspartame because you just pass well, it out? Absolutely, it just passes wow. straight through. Uh, so yeah, fun. Yeah, fact I'm not gonna. Be, not going to be trying that out in the name of science, but thanks <laughs> no. for the information. So right. this this was the this was the fruit and vegetable. That was kind of like our podcast equivalent of a bonus fact. So did they 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 sorted it all out in the end? Now we have the USDA's final version of a sort of accurate kind of based on Harvard's. Maybe there we should be yeah, following they, recommendation. What should we be doing? They, the picture itself is good, uh, other than, of course, they emphasize dairy is a need, and it's right on, it's got its own section. It's sort of off the plate, though. They put it off the plate, I suppose, to sort of encourage you to drink milk, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's milk still a need, and I'm milk. sure the... 
I'm sure the dairy industry had nothing to do with that. And so, yeah, but otherwise, it's it's not bad. It's it's probably the best one the USDA has had since all the way back in 1894 uh, is their recommendations. But the Harvard one is probably going to be better. And if you read the actual text that goes along, they have pages and pages and pages of text that go along with this. I'm sure the Harvard version is, is quite a bit better there. But yeah, at the end of the day, people just need, you need your proteins, you need your carbohydrates, and you need your fats to live. That's what you need. And then you need your vitamins and minerals. And if you're just eating, again, some moderation, you got your whole grains and your lean meats and things like this, you're probably, your fruits and vegetables, you're probably getting everything you need, uh, especially with, with how global the, the fruits and vegetable industry is now, where uh, the nutrients are going to even out. So, so it used to be there was this time when iodine was a problem because certain areas, there wasn't a lot in the soil. And so people just eating in that area were really deficient on it, which would cause goiters and a whole host of problems. And so they started adding iodine to salt for just to sort of cover that problem. And nowadays it's not really... Um, as much of a problem, not really necessary. There you go. Yeah. We've solved all of the nutritional problems of the world. If people want to read more, we have a book recommendation, not sponsored, just uh, I'm quite a fan of this guy's work, Michael Matthews. Um, and it's uh, he's got two books. They're basically the same book. One's sort of slightly tweaked, more for guys. One's more slightly tweaked for girls. And one's called Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. And the other is called Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. Um, the latter, I'm going to take a wild guess that the, the former one yeah. is for men and the latter one is more targeted towards Exactly. Women. And they both, I've actually read them both, and they both say almost the exact same thing. Um, just it's the, really the Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. He adds a lot of caveats to just be like, look, I promise if you're a woman and you lift weights, you will lose a lot of weight and you'll put on a, a lot of good lean mass. You'll lose a lot of fat and you'll be able to eat more calories. And I promise you won't get bulky. It just unless you're taking steroids, it's just <laughs> not going to happen um, yeah. for, you know, 99.99%. You're just going to end up looking like a fitness model, basically. Um, so it's just that's kind of his caveat. He kind of puts that encouragement. Really, I promise lift weights, lift heavy weights, not not your 10 to 12 reps, you know, lift your heavy four to six reps type weights and you will just get in really good shape and lose weight a lot faster and whatnot. So yeah. Anyway, so, just with a few, like some reassurance. <laughs> yeah. And so this, the reason why I recommend this is this is an ultra science based. I mean, he's, it's study after study that he cites throughout to back up what he's saying. And it's a quite easy read, only a couple hundred pages and both of them very good outlining what actual, what actually science knows about nutrition and working out and the best ways to sort of maximize. So you don't, you can work out as little as possible and still, you know, stay in really awesome shape. There you go. So if you haven't had enough today, definitely go check out those books and, yes, and learn a whole good. lot more of actual science-based stuff, which is anyone mm -hmm. who watches our channel or listen to this podcast know that we rather like. Practical knowledge, business section. I think we chose the name practical knowledge in the end, right? Business section's a bit too much, like this is just a business section, but we got all sorts of stuff today. Did you remove the thing about the uh, the, the jellyfish? I thought it would be running a bit too long with what we have in the Q&A going on and stuff, so. Make sure you subscribe to Brain Food Podcast for information about jellyfishes coming at some undefined point in the future. I wanted to talk about uh, Trello. Trello, non like not to plug Trello. Trello are a previous sponsor of our of our uh, YouTube channel. Do you use Trello? Are you familiar with Trello? I have not tried it. No. So they sponsored us, and they were like, "Okay, uh, can you talk a little bit about it?" As I always do when we have sponsors for the podcast, I'll go and install their app, or I'll try their stuff, and and or you tried and you tell me how it was. So I installed Trello, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to give it a go. I'll move it away from my like. It's basically a project management thing, but or an organizational tool, basically like to do lists on steroids." I switched to this maybe six months ago whenever they sponsored the video. I have not switched back. It's amazing. So what, what, what's so great about it? Maybe it's just my previous system sucked so bad that, and I never really realized <laughs> for, this. I, for, me, for me, this is, is, has to be an improvement because right now my system is Notepad. 
Yeah, mine was Microsoft OneNote. Um, so okay. I think <laughs> probably a step up from Notepad because at least OneNote has the strike-through formatting tool. And autosave, I assume, because one of the things, like as we were dis- just discussing when I dumped a, a whole cup of tea on my computer on the top and it dripped and I had to rapidly shut it off, all my Notepads are gone because I didn't have a bunch of them saved and I had to shut off my computer quite quickly. Do you think not having autosave in Notepad is uh, an intentional thing because they didn't have it in like Windows 95? and they don't have it in whatever the new version of Windows is. Yeah, the, the beauty of Notepad is the simplicity and like it strips out a lot of extra characters from different things, which is handy. Sometimes it's a nightmare when you're trying to load something into a teleprompter and then instead of like apostrophe, you get percentage sign upwards arrow four, five, something, something. And you're like, what yeah. is this? <laughs> I did notice in Notepad the other day, I had something similar happen. Uh, not the T, but I had to shut off rapidly. And, what are you uh, doing to your poor computer? I have no idea. Maybe it was a power outage. I don't really remember. But the point being, when I booted it back up, it did have autosave on some of the Notepads. And I don't know what triggered it that time wow. and not every other time I've ever used Notepad. I'm somewhat irritated by, because uh, I've, as you know, recently switched back to Windows for, for editing. Mm-hmm. When you restart the computer, it will open up the programs you previously had open. And I'm like, half really? the reason I want to restart is because I want to start from fresh and I don't want my 17 tabs and my like 14 Premiere projects open. That's got to be a, that's got to be a setting somewhere because I don't, I don't have that happen. Okay. I gotta, I gotta switch that off. I have to say, I still haven't paid for Windows. I installed, you know, you, you download it to install it on the thing. And yeah. I, I really I'm quite happy to say this. I don't believe I'm pirating anything. Uh, it just says at the bottom, remember to activate Windows. And I'm like, guys, this isn't really a good incentive for me to go out and buy the code because I think I can't set my own desktop wallpaper. Yeah. I, <laughs> am I, I, am I it, doing something illegal? I'm not really sure. No, with Windows 10, I mean, they, they gave it away for free uh, there for a while. Uh, I think they just wanted everyone to use it uh, just to get everyone, make sure everyone switches to the platform because it, 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 you know, it's quite good. And and even like, um, so even when they canceled that, I know my brother actually once was trying to install Windows. He didn't have a key, but he was just like, yeah. So he called their support and they were like, yeah, here's a key. Just have it, you know, just install it. You don't need to pay for it. And it was, he was like, really? All right. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I'll just phone them up and be like, hey guys, it's asking me to activate Windows. They'll be like, have you paid for it? No. Okay, here's a key. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. they just want people to use it because that benefits them. Wow, yeah. That makes a ton of sense then because their incentive to get me to actually go and buy the quite expensive software is low because it's just a little watermark in the bottom right of the screen saying, remember to activate Windows. So yeah, I moved on. I was using Microsoft OneNote. I had basically just giant lists of things I needed to do. Mm -hmm. Some were in red, some were in black. The red ones tended to be more important, obviously. And I tried to work my way through them. Basically, Trello kind of just, you get different what they call boards and then you have lists and so I have like I have a today I found out board and then within that Mm -hmm. board I have like the YouTube channel things to do I have like Mm -hmm. video design things to do I have podcast things to do and then you can just basically insert little they remind me of kind of you know those cards that people use when you make a speech Mm -hmm. you have like a title Mm -hmm. at the top and then you have a little note about what this section's about and then you kind Mm -hmm. of insert those and then you can archive them you can add little you know red flags to them and stuff so i know like it's urgent like i'm looking at it now and it says like mac weldon who is an advertiser we just worked with it's still saying red remember to publish this this video today which i haven't archived mm-hmm. because i did that yesterday completed uh, mm-hmm. it's just a lot better than uh 
Microsoft OneNote, which I was using before. So I wanted to give Trello like a, a non-sponsored, it is genuinely fantastic plug. So is, is it quite uh, easy to uh, migrate over to? That's one of the problems I have with a lot of these things where I'll try it and then it's just like, ah, oh, Notepad's so easier. And then I'll just go back to Notepad. What I did is I basically ran them simultaneously for a while. So I had, and then if something could easily be transferred over, I'd transfer it over. And then before I knew it, my OneNote to-do list was totally out of date and Trello was completely up to date and then I just didn't you know I still use OneNote all the time but just not for to-do lists anymore we should get him to uh, sponsor again yeah Trello if you're if you're listening is that's really unlikely but hey (laughs) if you don't like us talking about you for free you could pay us Another thing I wanted to bring up, because uh, I feel this isn't enough like Hello Internet yet, and I feel we're not talking, if anyone doesn't know Hello Internet, it's a a similar, you know, two YouTubers talking about stuff. They always talk about Apple products, and... I wanted to ask about this iPad Pro because I do a lot of paper notes like we don't have video Mm -hmm. of this podcast yet but you know I've got paper notes Mm -hmm. everywhere I have a problem I don't know if it's like it's it's not sensible at all but I never throw away notebooks because I'm like what Mm -hmm. if I wrote something important down I mean I can really look at this right now and it says I mean here is like basically a list of I should consider you know oh we were talking about that uh, video we saw in the hospital like someone was showing one of our videos in a random hospital somewhere and so I have a note like do they have our permission to do that? It's like not important. I'm not going to need this in five years ever, but I can't throw it away because what if I wrote something important down? I figure, is the iPad Pro a potentially a paper notebook replacement? It's interesting because I have, funny enough, in the bookshelf behind me right now, I have like 10 notebooks from so, a lot of years of just, yeah, this notes. Yeah. Random. Someday my kids, when I die, will this, this look is... through them and be like, what, what is he even saying here? <laughs> I was just going to say this and be like, wow, they're going to think I'm crazy at doodling and taking pointless notes about about nothing it's like mm-hmm. wow he really thought this stuff was important right yeah so i mean i would say it depends so like you're just looking for like a, a tablet not a not not something that can do more uh no essentially basically i mean i probably read magazines and stuff on it but that's about it well i, I was i was more of being like so um i was actually when i first saw this i thought you were thinking like a laptop thing and so i was thinking actually i was going to recommend to you that you take a look at the surface uh, surface book the new the latest one because uh, that thing is amazing and it's a tablet um uh, there you go but but if you're just wanting the the, the tablet just for tablet features they you know obviously a dedicated tablet's probably the way to go i, I have to say i already have several several tablets they also a very specific like I, I don't know I, I have one like I have an iPad which I just use as a teleprompter and this was my tablet until it became yeah. the teleprompter and now I just never take it out of the teleprompter thing because it's a waste of time yeah that's that's what that's why I, one of the reasons I got the Surface Book 2 is just because I wanted something that could be a laptop that could render videos even like 4k and stuff oh wow but it's also, really that powerful it's got a yeah it's got a 1060 um, graphics card in it which is, is quite quite good now it's not gonna a full desktop 1060 is gonna be a little better because you don't have the thermal th- throttling problem as much because obviously laptop form factor um but yeah it's a tablet as well you just detach the screen and it's it's a genuine tablet i'd say the yeah it's massive processing power compared to most tablets uh which is not really necessary for note taking so you're probably going to be better going with the much cheaper uh like a tablet yeah well these things are not cheap i have to say no <laughs> but what well, i really but the surface book 2 is, is is definitely not cheap it you you pay for the uh all-in-one and also super thin and light and crazy good battery life what what does something like that set you back if you don't mind me asking uh, well, it depends on what you want, but like probably if I'm remembering correctly, minimum of about two grand. Oh, and for you, oh, you, oh yeah, okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> even we've more. talked about this previously. Do you want to have a quick, uh, a quick Google? I can edit this later so it stitches together nicely. But what model is it? It is the uh, 
have I have the i7 version and the 15 inch version. It's uh, a Pro 2. Yeah, the Surface Book 2, not the first one. And I specifically, I needed something because I figured when we're doing the mini docs and stuff, uh, we might want to edit on the go at times. And I needed something powerful enough on a laptop form factor that could do that. But I also needed a tablet because I do stuff for like the teleprompter, like you say. And so I needed it to be both. And so this this was actually one of the first la- first pieces of tech in a long time where I've actually been like, wow, like that. This is actually blows me away a little bit how far technology has come in the last few years to be able to have in this form factor that kind of processing power and battery life and quietness and everything um yeah so quite quite are we talking about the two the one terabyte i7 16 gigabyte one yes that i actually scrounged around my house i literally was like that is way too much money i'm not going to spend that much on a laptop but i was like what do i have that i can sell that i don't use and i just went around my house and 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 i actually ended up supplementing about two-thirds of the cost with stuff i sold on ebay wow this is this is great like wait i i hate this kind of wasted stuff like i definitely have cameras like there's a couple of cameras which i really should sell and just buy one or like buy some more lenses for the cameras that i actually use Mm -hmm. just terrible at organizing that stuff okay so the 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 surface book 2 one terabyte i7 16 gigabyte you know how much that would cost me over here and uh, i bet you it's a lot slightly over four american four thousand american wow yeah see if you want to buy one of those at some point you definitely have to have me pick it up and bring it to you (laughs) not that we would ever not that we would ever do no. that customs authorities <laughs> no. there's actually uh, for the ipad pro there's a there's a german website i usually buy things from and they're like uh factory refurbished stuff that's usually mm-hmm. about 30 percent mm-hmm. cheaper than normal and then if i didn't like it after a month or two i could probably resell it and not lose a ton of money which is always nice i did say that with my samsung s8 that i bought i was like if i don't like this i will sell it and i will go back to apple within four days i had smashed the screen and destroyed the resale value <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> well, that is sometimes the advantage of those high-end ones because, like, my old—you remember my Surface Book or Surface Pro Four? Like, it's three or four years old or whatever yeah. uh, when I first got it. So it's three or four years old. I can't remember exactly something like that. And I've used it constantly. It's you know still in good shape, got some scratch, but I literally sold it for only about. 500 less than I paid for it in the first place after three or four years. And this was not, I mean, I got like a thousand bucks off it, uh, which is just crazy for that old piece of tech. Um, yeah. It was quite nice. It's it's one thing I like about Apple laptops. They tend to be the same way. Yeah. It's just you can sell one of those four years later for not a huge reduction. Or like me, people must think I'm terrible with technology, but the last one I just destroyed by pouring a cup of coffee over it. So <laughs> I always have this thing, it's like, this is, the, this is a very financially sensible decision, but I don't take into the fa- account the fact that I will break it. So yeah, that was that's that, that's my thoughts on on this. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely say if you just want just for note taking, I mean there are tablets out there. You don't, I mean especially if you want to go with some of uh, cheaper old tablets. Not like you need a fancy one for that. The way way cheaper than like an iPad Pro. But um, the, 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 this is it. That pencil. Just the way I've I've been and I've used oh. this, and it's so like writing on tablets generally sucks. Writing on yeah. this iPad Pro does not suck at all in fact it's amazing yeah that's the same with the uh the um my old uh, surface pro 4 and the new surface book is is quite nice to write on okay just... so i should consider these as but these are these maybe i can get the older version what was that called the surface book 4 yeah the surface pro 4 which is just it's mostly a tablet but it does you you saw it at the uh, rayton if you remember oh yeah that was it that was the old one uh, okay. the new one is um yeah oh you'll see that in a couple weeks i'm looking forward to it Practical knowledge quite short today. <laughs> well, we did. I did take off the main section, so that probably is why. That's true. 
<laughs> which was the more practically for for the general well i don't know not a lot of people are getting stung by jellyfish but if you do you would have learned don't pee on it i'll just say that right now that that's the opposite of what you should do don't pee on it no that's sense. that's that's a thing that that's a thing that people say and that's a thing that will probably make the situation worse why well, i i know that because of friends that friends episode where yeah joey gets stung by a jellyfish yeah. or something probably hilarious if your your friend got you know if it's not life-threatening i assume uh your friend and then you're all just peeing on them to sort of add insult to injury (laughs) and they're right as you've not been stung by like what's that massive jellyfish the man of war yeah yeah don't Uh, is that one even a jellyfish though i feel like people i feel like that one is called a jellyfish but it's not i could be wrong no it's a seriously crazy name for a for a fish like the man of is it is man of war rather than is it or is it man yeah Yeah. man of war they don't even do the of they got to get rid of that f but at some point we will talk about that and why exactly the stings hurt and how to how to actually treat the situation but for this one that would have ran like an hour dude this thing is terrifying I'm, I googled it now. It looks like an alien. This is not this is not good pod, but wow. We should put a picture of that in the show notes. That thing is devastatingly scary. It'll just oh, be well, that's a that's a good one for YouTube then for uh, put as the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 57 minutes in, we mentioned the thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. Should we just move on to Q&A? Q&A, questions, an- questions and answers. As we said at the beginning, just a quick reminder, if you have questions for us, let us know via the forum, forums.todayifoundout.com, or just go to todayifoundout.com and follow the link in the header bar. You can ask us Q&As there. We will bring them up on the podcast. And feel free not to ask us just questions about us or about YouTube or about that sort of stuff, but ask us the questions that are burning, like, why do clocks run clockwise? Do you want to start there? Because that's what we yeah, actually sure. got from Nathan B. Why do clocks run clockwise? Yeah, this one, it's, it's from the, uh, the archives, but uh, just to kick things off. So, if you had to guess, if you had to guess, do you remember this one? Have you gone over this? Would this be I remember vaguely know? something about the rotation of the Earth uh, yeah. being something to do with this. Yeah, absolutely. So, they had, um, obviously, um, sundials, and before that, uh, basically the same thing. You just use the sun. And most of human civilization evolved in the northern hemisphere. So, you have the situation where the sundial is going to go clockwise. Uh, and so, when they started in... Um, let's see when was it in europe and around the 14th century when they started making actual clocks they just sort of adopted the sundial uh, motion into it so that's why we have clockwise and had we had a civilization developed more in australia or something first yeah, we would have gone the other way wow so if australia was where everyone kind of was developing stuff we mm-hmm. would have clocks running backwards yeah if, it, yeah if everyone started there and then moved moved out yeah it would go the other way because in, in sundials do go the other way in uh, in the southern hemisphere they make those clocks which run backwards that look right in the mirror have you seen those really no yeah it's it's kind of just basically the clock's been wired backwards or whatever all of the numbers are backwards so if you look at it it, it looks completely weird and wrong but if you look at it in a mirror it looks right from now on i'm just going to refer to oh. those as australia clocks <laughs> hey australians if you were the cradle of civilization <laughs> this is what our <laughs> clocks would be looking like uh so we have a bonus fact on this one do you want to read it uh yes i do the ampm ah yes got it bonus fact i'm going to read this just like we do on youtube ever wondered what am and pm stand for well, one to know more. AM stands for anti-meridium, which is Latin for before midday, and PM stands for post-meridium, which is Latin for after midday. There you go. Easy. I actually knew that. And it wasn't from a Today I Found Out thing. 
Yeah. Pronunciation on Latin is definitely one like that's a bit controversial mm-hmm. because there's different yeah. people aren't really sure about how Latin was pronounced, and then you have these two different schools of thought on how Latin should actually be pronounced, right? And that's that's interesting because I, I took a, a year of Latin in college, and my professor there was very adamant about it. Uh, yeah, whatever, we don't really know, so it doesn't really matter that much. We'll just try to stay consistent. Whereas if you say that on the internet, you will get many many people who have taken lots of Latin classes and stuff who will who will argue that point and be like no we do know how it was pronounced pretty much like you know 95 percent which is kind of in stark contrast to uh, my professor there who is who is uh, a professor of ancient greek and latin yeah listen though um you can listen to the experts on these subjects Mm -hmm. or you can just go with what people are saying on the internet and i think (laughs) we know who is who is right on this one and i don't i don't want to you know no disrespect to your professor at university but i'm going to go with the fact that we definitely know how latin is pronounced because someone on yahoo answers told me so that was a quick one that's it's really that's that's why clocks run run clockwise because that's where that's where civilization came from i got we got another clock one uh why are grandfather clocks called that we made a video about this yes this one is one uh it's i i really like this one it's interesting because it's uh so they're actually called long case clocks right and so that's most the official people, name right that's the that's the official name and uh, it all the- comes from I thought it was just because, like, I don't know, the only people who have grandfather clocks are people's grandparents. Yeah, like, yeah old people, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it It actually comes from a song, which has uh, surprisingly been recently, not somewhat recently, I don't know, 15 years ago, Boys to Men covered it. It's quite quite popular, even Boys though I've never... Men. Yeah, I've never actually heard anyone singing it. But in its day, it sold over a million copies of sheet music, which was pretty unprecedented at the time. It was it's a guy like named... going platinum back in the day with your sheet music. It, that was crazy a million copies and this guy henry clay work who came up with it he actually this was the second time of selling something sheet music over a million copies which he kind of set the precedent on that one wow he was was like the despacito guy of the day yeah he's an american songwriter and he was in england visiting the george hotel in north yorkshire Uh and uh uh, did i pronounce that right by the way uh yorkshire yeah yorkshire oh right cool definitely (laughs) not yorkshire yorkshire yeah I think. I, I, My grandma's from Yorkshire. So in the lobby of the hotel was this giant, you know, long case clock mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't work. And yeah. so he asked, what's what's the deal with the clock? And so the proprietor of the hotel uh, presumably made this story up completely, as you'll, you'll <laughs> see from the, the details. I remember because, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he said, he said the previous owners, the Jenkin brothers, were uh, they just they died, and uh, when he took it over, and on the day and the second or whatever the um, when the Jenkins when the last Jenkin brothers died, supposedly the clock you know stopped working, and then no matter how many people they hired to come try to fix it, it wouldn't keep working. So obviously this is uh, you know they probably just didn't want to actually pay to have someone come fix it, so they made up a story. But Henry Clay Work thought it was a great story, and so he made a version of this about a clock and this person. It's you know about this person's life and how it runs and then you know dies it stops at the end and it was called my grandfather's clock and it was a it was a hit and pretty much almost immediately after that song just like blew up everyone stopped calling him long case clocks and went with grandfather clock how did they know he was talking about a grand uh, he was singing like about his grandfather's clock the long case clock yeah his grand it was just his grandfather's clock in general and it was you know presumably i don't know i haven't looked at the lyrics in a while but i assume he mentions i maybe it just says grandfather's clock and it you know describes the features that it's been it's been a couple years since i actually looked at the lyrics to this one i quite like long uh, case clock it sounds really cool like yeah it's a long case clock 
Yeah. Oh, his other his other hit song was "Marching yeah. Through Georgia," which is still a um, still commonly played by marching bands. And uh, we do ha- we also have a bonus fact on this one, although it's long, so probably not like a read through one. Um, <laughs> I can I can well. I mean, the melody of the vast majority of grandfather clocks for uh, use of that. Ugh, yeah, maybe not a read through one. <laughs> I well, and I, I say that too because I'm not quite sure I worded it uh, worded it as a read through because um, uh, yeah I changed a couple things at the end because there was a couple things I couldn't remember off the top of my head so I had to add them in uh, last second. Uh, so, it's it's fascinating detail. when when reading these things like the difference between reading something on in your head and reading things aloud. Like I will read through yeah. something like now before I do them I'm always like okay I got to read it through aloud because when you read through your head you're like blah 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 fine and then you read it aloud yeah. and you're like. Bleh. Yeah, yeah. It, there's awkward wordings where you just stumble over words because it's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the uh, the Westminster chime, so that you know, you hear grandfather clocks or any any real those old fashioned clocks make that little chime dong, uh, noise. Dong 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 dong. That one exactly. Yeah. And so, where did that come from? That's what this is this is about. And uh, it's thought it came from borrowed from the Handel's Messiah. And so, the person who came up with it was named Doctor Joseph Jowett. And he was hired to make the tune uh, with the help of a few other people. And um, it looks like Dr. John Randall and uh, one of Jowett's students, William Crotch, which is an unfortunate last name. Yes. <laughs> he wrote in... Especially um, because seven- his first name is William. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So people would call him Willie Crotch. That's terrible. <laughs> but he, luckily, he lived in the 18th century. So maybe that wasn't, uh, you no, know, maybe, maybe, it wasn't. maybe that wasn't a thing at that point. I did go to primary school with a guy called William Butt, which I always felt was super <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, that is, that is. So uh, 1793, they wrote this mu- uh, music for the St. Mary, which was the great clock at the University Church in Cambridge. And uh, it was later adopted by the, um, what is commonly called the Big Ben clock, but it's not actually, that's not actually the name. And that spread it to to everywhere else. Really, uh, the, the, the Big Ben clock, where this is the uh, Elizabeth Tower, which we yes. might be doing, uh, take a shot, people, uh, a mini documentary about this yeah, year. Yeah, if they... If the, they, especially it would be nice if they give us access to it I've been um, emailing with them um, I, I, I think I, I don't think we'll be able to go into the clock because they have uh, restoration work I did ask um, and they were like but um, there's lots of all other cool stuff you can see that's so. cool but yeah so the Big Ben for people as a preview is the, is the bell and it's not actually the clock yes that's right. More on that yeah. in an upcoming video. <laughs> so yeah, once it was adopted, once the music was adopted by that one, obviously that's a very famous and heard by a lot of people and just everywhere, you know, clocks everywhere started using the tune and it's, <laughs> it's still around today, a few centuries later. That tune has been absolutely battered into my head because I went to, to school and they had a big clock tower and every, it would ring every 15 minutes with like a bit of the tune. So like at quarter past, mm-hmm. it would be like, dong dong and then at oh, half past wow. it'd be like dong 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 and then at quarter two dong 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 and then it would do it oh, all together at, yeah yeah and then it would chime. that's way too frequent especially when you're in like a dull geography class or whatever and it's like it's just reminding you every 15 minutes <laughs> that you're only it's only been 15 minutes rather than the hour and 20 yeah. minutes that you were hoping for <laughs> i think we have a few other questions don't we they're kind of a bit more they're a bit yeah. less uh, about clocks <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go with the i want to go with this one here uh, the first one from nearly everyone, Simon, are you Michael from Vsauce? This one I thought, I guess like every YouTube channel, uh, every YouTube video without fail, 
Michael from Vsauce? Question mark. The Reddit AMA. There must have been at least six people saying like, are you Michael from Vsauce? Have you collaborated with Michael from Vsauce? How can we be sure you're not Michael from Vsauce? And I don't think you actually look at all like Michael from Vsauce. Everyone... When you put the picture next to each other, it's it's not even that similar. No, I, I think people think it's like anyone who wears glasses has a beard and doesn't have much hair or has no hair it's like mm-hmm. all of these dudes we can lump them in as being the same looking guy michael from vsauce i guess is probably the most famous of all the the bald and bearded youtubers so people will often compare and also given that you know we do in we both do edutainment yeah so. we should abs- we should parody this at some point like make a his style video like a full video and just don't even break character you're just copy his mannerisms Hi. his outfit vsauce michael here <laughs> that would that would be great. That would I'd have to practice my American accent. Ooh, for like April April uh April Fool's Day. Uh oh no, it's March. I was like, isn't that yesterday? No, that's no. next month. Oh, we could try and get that done. Yeah, we'd have to I'd have to actually watch it cuz uh funny story, I've never watched a Vsauce. You've never watched no. a Vsauce video? No, everyone tells me you should watch the Vsauce or or it's funny cuz everyone's like, "Oh, you copied this from Vsauce." And I've literally never watched a that's Vsauce. That's true. And- By never watching it, you can always be like, "I didn't take this from Vsauce." Uh- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like to be able to say I've never done it. And as soon as I actually watch one, uh, then, I'm, then I'll no longer be able to say that anymore. We can't get YouTube red over here in Europe yet. But the his first episode of Mindfield is, is where yeah, he puts yeah. himself in an isolation chamber for like three days or something. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. If you're going to watch one, check that out. And yeah. then you well, have normally YouTube I, red, right? Yeah, I do. And normally I do uh, watch. I don't really watch other channels in the genre because it's not, you know, when you do this every day, it's not really interesting. It's not really what you want to do on your free time. And it works. Work time, yes, not really. Yeah. But every every now and then, I will at least go check out what other people are doing. Just in general, just more looking at their styles. Uh, that's really what I'm looking for. And so, but his, I've actually avoided because I, I still no, I've never I've never seen it. You can say I copied him all you want, but no, yeah, never seen it, never seen it. <laughs> I was thinking I would change my uh, social media tag things, you know, where it normally says, Simon hosts so-and-so channels. I was just thinking, Simon is not Michael from Vsauce. (laughs) (laughs) Not Michael from Vsauce. That's a great handle. I think we should collaborate with Michael from Vsauce at some point when we're huge and established. We should. I should actually um, watch one of his stuff so I can see how that might go. (laughs) But apparently people do tell me, like, his style is quite good and it's something like we should, because when I do watch, like I said, the other people's, I'm looking for their style. How are they doing things? Is it something we might want to integrate and how we do things and uh and yeah apparently people say like yeah he does some great stuff you should watch and sort of uh, mimic some of the stuff but i don't know i like his stuff I-, I think very much like you i i'm very much out of date with all of this stuff because when you do it it feels too much like work to be watching other people's stuff yeah. like i'll be watching i used to love scishow and mm-hmm. since i just do so much stuff like this now it's like now i'm just like oh that's a really neat way that they did that graphic that's cool oh that's an yeah. interesting subject oh, anyway, did we do something it's like oh simon just watch something <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly where you just you're just kind of looking at and you're paying complete attention to how they're doing it, not even really what they're saying, per se. Yeah. Now we're making these documentaries now. Even things like Top Gear are ruined for me because I'm like, wow, this is so oh. beautiful. Look how they or the Grand Tour or whatever. It's like, look how yeah. beautiful it is. And then I'm like, that's just what... watch the damn show, Simon. <laughs> That's what fully charged. I watched. I sometimes watch them multiple times, like one just to see, like one time to actually see the content, and then the next time is like, okay, now how did they do this? This is pretty cool. Oh, he's got this one. Have you seen the one where he flies in from the drone from outside, and it's like into like this little car, and then it goes inside. I think 
maybe he starts at the car and then he flies up in the air and then out into this barn or whatever where they're going and then they transition to their steady state camera and you cannot tell. You can go frame by frame. You can't tell when he switched cameras. It's so amazing. Like, wow. how did they do that? Because you would have you would have had to flown the drone perfectly and then just right into the frame to the camera that's just sitting there. It's amazing. Yes, Fully Charged is a YouTube channel that has the production values of a TV show it, and a great TV show. It looks beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A couple years ago, it didn't, but now since they hired that one guy, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's super good looking. Definitely go check out Fully Charged. It's about electric vehicles primarily, and you know, electric energy, I suppose, in general. You know, what, what about that one? Polly Bonanzas asks, "What's the other guy's name? Is it David? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to him appearing in the regular videos? I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, what happened to you, man? Where have you been?" Yeah, it's way too way too busy. That's really what it comes down to. And like, uh, yeah, don't don't have the time uh, to get in the videos because that's a, it's a, it's it's a, it's a lot easier for me when you do it. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, right? It saves me so much time. <laughs> it saves me so much time when you record the videos instead of me. Yeah, so when we started, it was probably, I, I did a couple and then we got into the fall where you start to do that for the pushing for November and December. And so get busy with that on all the stuff I work on. And then we got the podcast going and that's taking all my extra time now. Cool. And so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. At some point, at some point, I'm sure I'll pop in, you know. Again, maybe when we have like a full-time staff or something, I can start popping in. But yeah, not right now. Yeah, I mean, this, this is what drops off for you. Stuff drops off for me. And it's always just kind of you have busier periods and less busier periods. Yeah. And then... Yeah, you're you're still here. We're doing this podcast. Yeah. That's what one one of the one of the commenters was like. Is he dead? Then we had one I, which was more just an issue I wanted to address. Lucas asks, "Is it me or is this channel asking for an unsubscription?" I think this was related to us posting a podcast on our normal channel, and it's kind of like uh, basically what I wanted to say to that. I think he got quite a lot of thumbs down, which was good, or like people yeah. being like, "What's your problem?" Um, I think basically maybe our error was not pointing out that that was specifically a podcast episode and that mm -hmm. the regular video was still coming later that day it was just okay. we wanted to promote our podcast and you know maybe people have a problem with promotion of other stuff on the show but guess what it's our show we can promote whatever <laughs> we like <laughs> yeah it's still within the genre you know some people are not going to like it obviously it's going to get i mean expect as expected it gets a lot less views but some people some people do prefer to consume it that way and i think i think him or another one it was also they didn't like the string of topics we'd been doing like the last week but that's just that comes and goes there's yeah. no yeah, that's you know we talk, cover all sorts of things and there's we really have no plan we just kind of post whatever yeah i mean there are in our shared dropbox folder a bunch of scripts come in i will literally just pick and choose them randomly and or like that sounds interesting i'll do that one today and then yeah. this one uh maybe that's not so much up my street so i'll do that like oh. in between a couple of ones that i find more interesting and and then they just they just go out randomly as they are ready there's very little <laughs> thought put into like did we just have a huge string of history ones or like it is it, it's funny how the patterns sometimes emerge where that where we will we will have like all these like the same type of genre topic or whatever and it's like oh yeah that did for a couple of weeks there we were really hitting on that that area yeah but yeah it's completely random it is utterly i don't think it could be more random you know we're coming up on our thousandth video oh wow 968 videos so far and the first 550 got like no views whatsoever and yeah. we had was it like a thousand two thousand views per one and then all of a sudden the algorithm changed or something and then everything i remember when it was it was it was uh, a year last november so mm -hmm. 15 months ago 16 months ago and That's i was on holiday year. yeah 
That's the best time for stuff to take off. Yeah. I was like, wow, we are adding 25,000 subscribers a day. It was like something crazy is happening. Yeah. After 550 videos, and I think we had like 40 some thousand subscribers or something at that point. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, that's that's a good number. But when you're producing daily 500 and some videos, it's, you know. Yeah. It wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really, it wasn't really cutting it at the beginning. And then it just went. No, that was, um, that was almost two years. Nothing. Yeah. You got to stick with it. I've been emailing back and forth with someone about this kind of stuff. And I'm like, the most important thing is just stick with it. And you just have to keep making that regular content that people like to watch. It's uh, yeah. And, and get feedback to evolve your content over time. But yes, that, that's the thing. Because, you know, everybody, when they first start out at anything, it, they suck at it. You know, it's and that, so it's kind of a good thing that you don't get a lot of subscribers. Thank you, right listeners, for listening to episode three <laughs> of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you're experienced in this this. this <laughs> area you've done a lot before but um yeah so it usually sucks at the beginning and then so sometimes it's good to have that period where no one's actually watching while you refine your content and get some feedback and stuff and then but yeah that's what most people i i would definitely say that they quit too early they stop way too early yeah yeah i completely agree just you got to keep going at Kinemoon, at Atkinmoon asks, and I want to know what your answer to this is. This was the one I pulled from Reddit because I actually thought mm-hmm. it would be uh, interesting to expand a little bit more on this. And you didn't answer it, I think. I, I did, and I want to know what mm-hmm. your answer to this is. Are you normally spouting history or facts, other facts off camera? I am, not randomly. It won't kind of be like, hey, did you know that aspartame is not actually bad for you? Like, just in the middle of a conversation. But someone will be talking about like, yeah, I'm trying to drink less Diet Coke. And I'll be like, well, you know, that there's not actually any scientific evidence that says that aspartame is bad for you <laughs> which someone will question me i'll be like i made a video about it <laughs> i have had to rein this in so much because it's just a desire like people are like please stop that <laughs> this was this was exactly i actually did write a comment and then i did not post it because i thought it sounded so pretentious yes. and like didn't it didn't really in text didn't really come across and i wasn't quite sure how to reword it to be like you know in text it just didn't you can't really get the tone of it like no i'm not just trying to you know be a know-it-all or whatever but i might ex- it was kind of that exact thing where you have to learn to keep your mouth shut yeah. because nobody likes it to be corrected even if it's like super polite and just like a conversation piece you're not trying to like correct them correct them like, it's not like because everyone gets stuff wrong sometimes i mean we do everyone it's like a universal thing but people do not like to be corrected no matter I'm, what i've just started going the completely opposite direction so someone will be like yeah diet coke you know you'd want to rein that in because you know it can cause cancer and i'll be like yeah it causes all the cancer and now i have loads of friends (laughs) so yeah i just learned unless it's like you know if it's like your close friend or your family or whatever then you can just kind of have fun with them tease them or whatever but uh but yeah i mostly i mostly just you learn to keep your mouth shut because there's no way to word something where people won't be like oh yeah you know and just not like that you just corrected them in some way like I, i at least i haven't found a way to word it properly to where it's like no i'm not judging I'm not judging. Everyone gets stuff wrong yeah. in my industry. I know that better than anyone. Yeah. So I wrote a comment to that effect and I was like, no, this just sounds completely uh, awful and pretentious. And no, that's that's not, uh, I'll just delete that. Yeah. But no, I, I definitely am. I do need to stop. I, I do it just because it's like, oh, this is a fascinating tidbit. I'm not usually correcting yeah. someone. It's just like, hey, wouldn't you like to know this? And then I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that That's also my motivation. It's like, hey, this is interesting. You know, like it's something people think this, but it's actually this. And but no, it never, it never goes well. You just got to keep your mouth shut. The other the other time is when you do want to be, you know, a little bit of a dick. 
where someone's like, actually, you know, I was reading on Mercola.com that Diet Coke has killed at least 70,000 people. <laughs> You'd just be like, actually, that's that's completely a lie. Exactly. <laughs> well, it does come back to the, um, what's the uh, the movie we're just talking, Thank You For Not Smoking, where it's, uh, where he, you're not, in that case, you're not necessarily trying to convince the person, but the person, the people around them. Yes. Yes. I got to see that movie again. I'm going to write that down in my notebook, which my children mm-hmm. are going to throw away in 50 years when I die. Jelly, I assume, break. But uh, why does Simon show up on so many shows on YouTube? How do you manage your time? Because he's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and sub, sub question, how did you get involved with Top 10's visual politic and what's the genesis of biographics? I think I should also address today I found out because, well, that's... You know. can, you t- can, you, can you tell I wrote that part of the question? That wasn't his. That was, ah, I added that. okay. Um, so, yeah, I did forget to put the day I found out because I already know that one. <laughs> Well, we definitely talked about it on the first uh, episode. Yeah. Top 10 is very much similar to how I started working with uh, with David. I just, uh, a fortuitous email of like, hey, do you want to take some of this stuff and uh, make a, a podcast slash YouTube thing about it? You know, in the very short one sentence answer. Visual politics came around entirely differently. I was, I, I've got a, I live in Prague, as I've previously mentioned. Uh, a friend of mine here had a dinner party for his birthday and we were all in a restaurant. I didn't know some of the people there. And and one of the guys was like, I'm thinking of starting a YouTube channel. And I was like, hmm, I know a thing or two about that. And he was like, oh, yeah, what do you do? And it's like, well, I'm a YouTuber. And so he started, he, he was a Spanish guy. And he started a political channel in Spanish. And I was like, what we just talked about, make sure you make the regular content. Make it all the time. Do not give up. You won't make money for a long time, but eventually you will. Now he's got like half a million subscribers. Mm-hmm. He, he sticks to the advice and he cracks mm-hmm. on and he's doing great. And then about six months into his thing, he was like, hey, this is actually working quite well. Do you want to take all of us? It's all in Spanish. Do you want to take the Spanish versions and do them in English? We'll, you know, it'll be a partnership and i'm like okay that sounds good that's how visual politics started and yeah i just had dinner with this guy a couple of nights ago we were talking about what we're doing visual politics next year Uh, i think i remember seeing him on your your vlog once he was on there a couple episodes or something yeah definitely would have been i knew him then this was i think i first met him a couple of years ago so Mm -hmm. yeah friend 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 seca is that fonseca yeah which is actually his surname it's his first name is enrique but he doesn't like enrique so he has everyone call him by his surname which to me is very much like uh second or high school as you would say like i was definitely whistler at high school so we just call him fonseca biographics basically this is a project with top tens so i'm shell who is the owner of the top tens site i said to him do you think we should do something with biographies because i looked around on youtube and biographies were super popular and they all suck and i'm a huge biography reader and i was like Mm -hmm there's got to be something to do with this and basically mm-hmm. top 10s became or top 10 lists in general were kind of reaching a point on youtube where there are a billion of them everywhere and the channel was well, kind I, of i think they're a little bit stigmatized as well at this point even yes. if they're well like because because most of them are really bad so even if you do a good one it's still like oh you're a top 10s you know and even though i think ours are really good they do get brought down by these ones that are just basically looking for clicks with crappy thumbnails that make you click on stuff and titles and then you open it up and it's just badly researched badly presented and so yeah this was this was really suffering on youtube and i was like do you want to kind of diversify and think about starting another channel because yeah just risk reduction and he was like that sounds like a great idea let's make another channel so Mm -hmm. biographics there we go you know fun story is actually in the very earliest days of before before um 
before you were working with them. Uh, Top Tens was one that we we uh, sort of had back and forth, and Shell actually helped mentor me a little bit in the very earliest days when today I found out. I don't even remember how we how we got in contact with each other. Maybe he emailed me or I emailed him and uh, something, and uh, oh. it was a little bit of a mentorship, right? Because he started it maybe a year before I started, maybe in like 2009 or 2008 or something. Uh, so yeah. I knew you guys knew each other. I didn't know I didn't know yeah. you like meant it. That's cool. Uh, like I'm not like a ton, but he was he also does SEO on the side and so he you know he gave me some advice with that and uh yeah just on some general stuff with websites at the time back in the earliest days. So yeah. Well. There you go. Yeah. So uh, I could answer the first part of that question. How? Why does Simon show up on so? Well, I suppose we already answered that. I, yeah. You know, <laughs> no one recruited me. They were like, look at this handsome devil. We must get him to present all of these YouTube channels. No, I was really much, very much put myself out there. and was like, I would like to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I manage my time? With Trello. <laughs> Largely with Trello. I do work a lot. I work most weekends. I work long hours every day. I work efficiently. We have good people supporting us. Yeah, just a combination of all of those things. I don't procrastinate. I'm pretty, pretty strong on not procrastinating. Mm -hmm. So that also helps because people waste a crazy amount of time. Yeah, see, I've always had the thing, uh, which today I found out was actually, I think I mentioned this before, was the product of productive procrastination, procrastination yeah. where, I'm, where I've had since, like, I don't know, high school, I say, if I'm going to procrastinate, sometimes I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to go ahead. But it has to be productive in some way, like some form of whether learning something or, and it's this is a great way to get a lot of stuff done, but not necessarily what you should be working on. Yes. So I've had to... I've had to completely abandon that for the most part, uh, you know, if, for years now. But in the like high school, college, it was a great, a great way to be productive about things. It, it can also ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I play now, I, I play some Grand Theft Auto 5 recently. I mentioned Age of Empires yeah. earlier, but recently it's been Grand Theft Auto 5 with a couple of friends on, you know, like a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon. And I'm like, what if I streamed this and broadcast it as a YouTube channel and <laughs> made it into a business? And I'm like, or, or Simon, you could just play some games and have a relaxing time. Oh, I do want to add one thing here. Someone won a uh, Ig Nobel Prize for the productive procrastination philosophy. And I, in high school, years before he ever published a paper on it, had that. And I was like, oh, I've, you know, and you know, my one of my goals is to win an Ig Nobel Prize. And I was like, oh, missed opportunity. Wait, so what is the productive procrastination specifically as he would define it? He, he wrote a paper on it and I, I it's been a long time since I read it, but I was totally like, ah, oh, come on. So the idea of like today I found out, finding something yeah, that you're procrastinating exactly. and working like, out to turn it into something yeah, useful. The idea is, yeah, definitely. Whatever you're procrastinating on, don't fight it. Just make make it productive in some way. Do It has to be something productive, basically. And you'll find, you know, your brain fights things, but then you're working on this other thing that maybe is very productive, but it doesn't want to do the other thing. So, you know, now I'll be productive on that. It's a yeah. horrible way to get what you're supposed to be working on done. So you definitely have to abandon it once you have, you know, people working for you in a team and you need to get something done. It's yeah. not, that's not good. But when you're in high school or college and you have, you can do anything you're just you know working by yourself or whatever it, it works quite well and uh, that's how today i found out came around and there you have it productive procrastination i'm sorry you missed yeah. out on your Ig Nobel prize on that one right i should have written a paper in high school here for oh. the comments what what is this one this one was weird i didn't really know what this guy was getting at um it was posted on the youtube version of our podcast i just thought it was like really crazy so i don't know if it's really a question but there's a question mark at the end so here for the comments says okay yes you are real people in theory and we know this 
But how practical is that? You're go- but how practical is it that you're going to read the comments? And for one, I thought it would be funny that not only would I read yeah. this comment, but I would read it on the podcast. And yeah. so, yes, it is very practical. Also, yeah. the questioning about whether we're real people is is really suspicious because otherwise we've got like a really amazing special effects department. <laughs> yeah, which YouTube ads would never pay for. So yes, <laughs> that's not a thing. That's not a thing that we have, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, the uh, yes, I actually, uh, you know, probably the day of a new video post, I do skim through all the comments just to see if there's some, you know, if there's like a major error or uh, anything that needs addressed or whatever. After that, I don't go back and look at them. But uh, except for on the podcast ones, because it's new, um, I am personally watching them very closely. Yes, likewise. How do you manage your time? Was the the jelly break question? And I was like, yeah, I can't read all the comments. But uh, on these on these podcast ones, wherever we're trying something new, I definitely do. Mm-hmm. So. There, there we have it. That's how. And yes, we are real people. Plus, you never on YouTube, just a pro tip for anyone doing YouTube stuff. The first comments are going to be the best. They're going to give you good feedback. They're from your subscribers. So they're going to give you like, what, what do they like about it? What they don't <laughs> like? You know, so it's actual helpful feedback. Uh, then after that, as the wider YouTube audience gets a hold of it, those comments are just complete garbage always. So there's really no point after a certain amount of time of going back and looking at them. At some point, the people who hate Jews are going to arrive. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> They're going to make everything awesome. Speaking of urine...